What's up, folks? Welcome to the Avocado Gamescast, the Avocado's tastiest gaming podcast that definitely isn't on its third attempt at recording tonight. This is episode number 90. That's right, we've done 90 episodes of this deliciousness, and we are not stopping. We've got a great meal for you folks today. We're going to be visiting some of our favorite franchises. Maybe they're dormant. Maybe they're putting out delectable, delectable, I can read, delectable games at a regular pace. And we're going to try to come up with what their next ideal courses would be. It's going to be a blast. But before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Chef Merv. Let's meet the very hungry boys who are joining me today. He wishes the PlayStation Move controller had just been a corn dog. It's Andy Tuttle. Hi, how you guys doing? He'll ride his Yoshi to bring you a donair in 30 minutes or less. It's Little Mac. Hey, gang. And last but not least, Pillars of Eternity inspired him to make some bomb-ass gamer meatloaf. And for once, that's not a joke. It's the Kappa. That is a deep cut. I am surprised you remember that. But <laughs> my hungry boys, they, they, they like spicy meatloaf, so... Yeah, I, I, I would sound, forget that. Yeah, I I remember that the meatloaf had oats in it. Yeah, steel cut oats, and I thought it would have been gross, but it kind of works to like, like bind it all together. You know, I'm not much of a cook, but I don't understand why you add some stuff and not other. But then I had that, and I kind of understood it. So yeah, it gives yeah. it some nice body. <laughs> it's I called assume. Duke's own beef beef loaf. I bet you if you looked it up, there's a couple other people who made it. It's actually really good meatloaf. But... So this is just a recipe. Straight from like a lore book? Yeah, Pillars so Pillars of Eternity, they had like a huge Kickstarter, gigantic Kickstarter. They started to like basically get to the point where it's like they were doing stretch goals on top of stretch goals on top of stretch goals, you know? And one of them was we'll release an actual cookbook based on food from the game, um, you know, basically for for people to, to cook. And I actually made some of the stuff in it. It was really good. The Duke, so it's like D-U-C, I guess like the old style of Duke or something, but um, the beef loaf, it's like barbecue, uh, onions, like kind of like a, a very basic meatloaf, but inside of it, it's steel cut oats and like a lot of it, like cups of steel cut oats. And man, it is like, it's like eating like a beef loaf, <laughs> but, but good. It's it's very filling. I, I usually would probably eat like half of what it was, but... Um, because it was so filling. I think I ate like maybe like one tenth of what I would normally eat for um, what you would call it for like a, a meatloaf type thing. So like uh, one slice and you're good. Yeah, exactly. Right, like right it's up. it's not like uh, I need I need plates of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder yeah. how that would taste with donair sauce. You know what it would Just be curious. really good with? I was thinking something like a hosen hoisin. Oh, like hoisin sauce. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always thought that would be so good, like meet that with the meatloaf. I've been making my own sauces. I've been making some real good stuff. I don't want to tease anybody too much, but um, yeah, that, that's what I've been working with, that kind of base. So anyway, enough about my damn meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk more about hoisin sauce. Love that stuff. Goes on my stir fries. Uh, yeah, we've been playing video games. We've also been kind of watching stuff about video games. Uh, just last week, uh, Double Fine and Two Player Productions put out this 32-episode series on the making of Psychonauts 2. I'm like two-thirds the way through now. It's a wild ride. Um, like, they really get into it. There is some drama. I was going to say, they, they've done docs for a couple games now. Um, 
Yeah, I they did one for of... Broken Age. Yeah. Right. And oh, Massive Chalice not really was like the result of like a game jam thing that I think they I don't know if they did a dock on, but they did something with it, right? Right. So what they do is every few years they spend uh, two weeks doing a game jam called Amnesia Fortnite. Every time they run it, they make a documentary about that game jam. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 And I mean, but the docs that they do are fantastic. They're really cool to kind of see, you know, some of it's a little corporate culture, rah-rah type stuff. I get it, you know, but I guess when you have a good corporate culture, it feels good to kind of, you know, tout it, I guess. Everybody there seems pretty happy to be working there. There's a little bit of drama here and there, but yeah, um, at least I haven't seen this new one. So it's, oh yeah, it's there, like, but. I actually haven't seen the Broken Age one, and now I kind of want yeah. to go back and watch it. That you've mentioned that because this is not that. This oh, really? is. Uh, I am shocked that they put this out, and moreover, that Microsoft allowed them to put this out. <laughs> like it. it really does not paint some people in a great light wow. uh, which is i was surprised that they were willing to be so candid about it i wow. mean i suspect that they actually made some of the people whom they paint in a bad light look slightly better but it's really hard to sugarcoat some of what's That's in there shocking yeah yeah it probably takes some of the edge off that they did actually put the game out and it was fairly well received mm. if this was a game that just actually got caught in development hell fell apart was kind of the you know the how the studio died. They yeah. might feel, you might feel a little more sensitive about putting out a documentary that makes it clear that you are the reason that happened. <laughs> yeah. I behind it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's just say there's a reason this game took two years longer than it was supposed to, mm -hmm. uh, and you can really see that in well, how the process ask, went. With that being your observation, let me ask you this: Microsoft is kind of creating with them and other companies and stuff, kind of an island of misfit toys of development studios have you know now granted a lot of studios are not what we thought they were behind the scenes right yeah but it seems like microsoft in particular has kind of said well we're going to take some of these like more dysfunctional studios i'm not just talking about the activision but stuff like rare who just could never seem to get a game out the door or like you know other studios and it, it double find is one of them now it sounds like are we eventually getting to the point where we're like you know, hey, maybe Microsoft can't fix all these studios like we thought they were going to or thought they could? I mean, I I think it was never really their intention to fix them so much mm -hmm. as to just hope they'd continue producing stuff for Game yeah. Pass. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know that Double Fine needs fixing so much because okay. part of what like is in the documentary is almost like trying to change their corporate culture and their development oh, process okay. is what killed That's them. interesting. And it's almost like going back to their kind of chaotic approach is what saved them. But, I mean, I haven't watched to the end, so maybe there's another twist kind of yeah. along the tra trajectory of this development process. Uh, but it's pretty... Um, it comes down pretty much kind of in favor of having a little bit of that brokenness and just being able to support it now that Microsoft has given them the big bucks. That's really interesting. Um, I do want to watch this really bad now, actually, because I did like the other docs. And there's something to be said sometimes about the push and pull. And I think generally 
me and you on the podcast, we've been a little more like lenient with like the publishers aren't always the bad guys, right? Yeah. Um, like there are times where it's like, yeah, you got to get the game out. <laughs> we'll give you two years, but you got to get the game out at some point, right? Um, so, oh, there's some of that in here. Like this, their original publishing partner is like suspiciously lenient with them, and it goes. <laughs> Let's just say it goes places. That's um, really cool. Yeah, this yeah, is awesome. Go go look up the Wikipedia entry on Starbreeze if you want to have. Yeah, oh, a... yeah. Starbreeze is a, is a nightmare. They've yeah, they've had some real problems with, with very easy studios to. Oh, at least the I public. I mean, there's also is... the cool criminal element in yeah, the yeah. insider trading. Uh, but yeah, who who hasn't done a little of that lately? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. <laughs> All of Sonic's dev team and <laughs> well, what's a little inside training between friends, right? Multimedia conglomerates, yeah. <laughs> Good old Yujinaka, always great for a laugh. We can't get away from Project Sonic. I know it yeah. happens every <laughs> single time. Um, I hope none of you have been playing Sonic because now we're going to talk about what we've been playing lately. Um, none of you are playing Sonic, right? Like I don't. I hope I'm not insulting no. anyone. No. Good. Um, hell before I recognize Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, what have you been playing? Um, so I've got a couple here. I know we, uh, later on, not to spoil the uh, the the podcast, but you did want to talk about some of the January releases. So I can yeah. either talk about um, Fire Emblem Engage, or I could talk about Rayman Three. So let's Ooh. talk about Rayman Three. Rayman. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, well, everyone's been fire embleming. No one has been Raymaning. So let's no Rayman. Playing, you know why no one's yeah. been playing Rayman? Because it's twenty years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so I, for people who don't know, I write a, uh, a weekly column on the Avocado called New Game Releases, and um, one of the main kind of like uh, points of that is I highlight games that came out 10, 20, 30, and sometimes forty uh, years ago. And so next week's title um, is uh, from 20 years ago is Rayman 3 Hoodlum Havoc. So I played that for about a couple hours today, and uh, uh, I'm actually really having a great time with it. Speaking of Psychonauts, I think they even mentioned that um, Rayman 3 was kind of one of the, not inspirations for Psychonauts, but they kind of looked at that when they were coming back to maybe um, do the next Psychonauts. Like, I think Tim Schafer played through a bunch of old uh, 3D platformers, like like Rayman 3. I, I love Rayman games. I always have. And I've always felt like they've been kind of the, you know, like maybe not the lost platformer because there's a lot of platformers people don't think mm-hmm. of anymore. But man, those games really felt good at the time. One of the best things I can say about Rayman is the controls are like otherworldly good compared to other platformers. I don't, yeah. Are you noticing that? No, the controls are great. Um, it's, uh, well, like, like a lot of early 3D games, like the camera sucks. Um, but the, I think the issue with the camera here is that I like to play them, I guess, inverted. So when I turn the stick to the right, I want the camera to go right in a certain direction and you can't toggle that in this. And so it's kind of been giving me a little like headache <laughs> trying to like turn the camera and I'm like, what? No. Um, but no, the controls are great. His whole helicopter move with his hair that he uses the jump to platforms is great. Um, the thing about three, um, I don't know if they did this in two or not, but uh, he's got all these different power ups that he has. Mm-hmm. So like you, you can like uh, have like a super punch power move, and there's like a grappling hook power move that you use, and all of that feels really nice and really, 
um, well thought out. Like the stages are laid out in a way where almost kind of like a puzzle game where you have to like solve like, okay, I've got to, I've got to save this, you know, shaman or whatever that's trapped in a cage. So, okay, I've got to use my grappling hook here and go here and here and here. And then I've got to jump down and quickly get the the rocket punch hand and smash the, the door open so that I can save the guy. And it's almost like, like I could see speedrunners probably really kind of get off on this game, I bet, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of like, you've got to do it perfectly and quickly in order to to solve it. And so like one thing, like, yeah, it was the whole thing with like like punching a wall. And it took me like, 35 minutes to like figure out how to like get from point a to point b and like you know save the guy so it's great it's a lot of fun i'm, I'm really enjoying it yeah i i've always loved um those games and you know it's it's kind of a lost art to make platformers mm-hmm. that they're not really trying to do anything new they just do the basics right and that's what i always kind of thought about rayman you know yeah there's not a lot of charm there, I don't think. There's not a, like a cutesy mascot that really pulls the game together or anything. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, this is like it's like a platformer's platformer, you know, yeah. kind of a feel. And, and not only is it not cute, it's almost aggressively anti-cute. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. there's this, there's this big, there's like this fly character, like a green fly, and I think Billy West um, does the voice, and he's so fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. just like yapping at you the whole time and like. And like talking shit about how you're you're playing like if you aren't collecting gems fast enough because there's like a combo system where you collect gems and as you collect the gems you get more points for it and then you use those points to unlock uh, bonus stages and so if you don't collect them fast enough and you lose your combo he like you know gives you crap about it um i yeah you talk about how it's kind of a lost art i think rayman probably gets unfairly lumped in with other like kind of like kid-friendly licensed games. Yeah, I would agree, from, too. Yeah. From the 2000s. I'm absolutely guilty of doing that. <laughs> I, I never gave a Rayman game a chance before Rayman Legends, and only then when forced by a friend and was like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I always just, uh, if you had asked me to list off a bunch of junk platformers from the 90s, I might have thought of Rayman before I thought of, like, Gax or Bubsy. Right. Yeah, I know. Not at all. No, it's 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 not, and uh, um, yeah, like it took me twenty years to finally go back and see that that Rayman three is is great. It's not like you know. Now do I need to check out Tie the Tasmanian Tiger or uh, Tack of the Power of Juju? Like maybe those are good. I don't know. Are they good? Have you played those? Any Tack heads in there? Sorry, no. <laughs> I must, I must confess. I... <laughs> Didn't they just one put of out those, Tasmanian like, Tiger on a like Switch or something? Wait, have they ported it? I thought they ported it to Switch. This up, maybe. Oh, I was gonna they say platformers some... are one of those genres where like so many of like the big names take all the air out of the room whenever mm-hmm. you talk about like the greats. It's like you're not getting past you know like your Mario's and stuff like that yeah. until you get to that second tier of like. Well, it's it's either Raven or Taz, and nobody really knows the difference because it's not you know it's not in that Mario territory, right? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Rayman Three is great if you if nobody's I, I, played it. I say check it out. It's it's fantastic. I really like it a lot. So a couple of clarifications: Ty the Tasmanian Tiger and Taz the Tasmanian Devil are two different characters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, Tyler Tasmanian Tiger HD and its sequel are both on Nintendo Switch oh, yeah. for 
like 40 bucks each Canadian. Don't know what that is in Ugh. freedom dollars. Like four bucks? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I'm just passing. No, it was great. When I, so when I first moved down to the States, um, the Canadian American dollar were a parody. And then when I moved back, the Canadian dollar dropped a lot. So that move, I guess, was profitable for me. Um, so, you know, I've, I've taken advantage of this exchange rate uh, discrepancy. Uh, that parody era was so frustrating because they didn't change things like comic book prices to reflect the fact that the Canadian dollar is worth the same. Oh, yeah. I remember oh, books, man, books yeah. were one of the big ones because they just kept selling it. Like it would say CAD and they just made it a dollar more even though it was at parity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not from Canada, but I remember seeing that on the comics, and I would always feel bad. I'd be like, "Oh man, I got to pay two twenty-five for Spider-Man." <laughs> like that sucks. Sorry. Canada. Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun times. Um, so, Little Back, what have you been playing? Well, uh, I've been playing a fair number of things just because they dropped Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on yeah. Switch Online, so I'm dropping into lots of games. But I think the one that I'll mention today is not a Game Boy game at all. It's Ultima 7, The Black Gate. Oh, what have you been playing that on? Oh, uh, the purest form. I've been playing just uh, on my PC. The I bought it on GOG Galaxy, and I've oh, been streaming okay, it. Yeah. I'm not using Exalt. I haven't, I haven't even applied the publicly available patch that makes phishing work. So... <laughs> Oh, so you're going super old school. Oh, yeah. So for me, uh, it's literally impossible to fish. Fishing just is not programmed into the game. Uh, I have a fishing pole, but we never, ever get, uh, get a bite. And, yeah, so I have been on a journey. I had always wanted to be into the Ultima series. Like, even when I was young, my buddy had Ultima 6, False Prophet, on his PC. And we would fire it up. And we would do the awesome character creation where you answer a bunch of virtue-related yeah. <laughs> questions, get a character design, play the opening battle in Lord British's throne room where he fights some gargoyles. And then we just kind of like faff about and be like, what the hell? What do you do? <laughs> where, yeah, do you, <laughs> where do you go to cause the next cutscene? Right? Like, or not even, really, we wouldn't have called them cutscenes at the time, but... Certainly the RPGs, the video game RPGs we were used to, mm-hmm. uh, were guiding us much more strongly than Ultima, which tends to just tell you at the start that it wants you to fix everything and then let you figure out how to do so. It does a lot of the stuff. I haven't played it in forever. I actually played it like as they came out. Well, except for like Ultima 9, that came out super late, right? The finale? Yes. Late. Yeah. 90s if like 99 if not even 2000 that oh was... wow okay yeah i played that one way later than it came out even then so like i think i played that in, like 2006 2007 but it was kind of like oh, i might as well finish this because i kind of have to remember everything but even the story it's consistent through the games i don't know if you've been playing them in order or anything like the story's ah. consistent but you just tend to kind of like am i the good guy bad guy avatar now or <laughs> it's kind of the, the story is mostly consistent if yeah. you if you start which i did with four mm-hmm. so i played ultimate four the quest of the avatar and then i played that one just you know by myself and i've done all the rest of these on my twitch channel so i did ultimate five warriors of destiny ultimate six false prophet and now i'm onto the black gate and 
there's a fair bit of like retconning that yes, happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for example, the the reformed demon Sin Vral in Ultima Five turns out to actually just be a gargoyle because yeah. they introduced the gargoyles and they were like, Gargoyles look like demons and then turns out Sin Vral was a gargoyle. He just never thought to mention it. And and also they're notable as RPGs, at least this run of four games, because they're all set in Britannia, and Britannia is generally the same place. Like, things change to reflect the passage of time, but you're looking at the same maps, the same yep. cities in roughly the same spots, but they're not quite always the same spots. So, like, for example, between five and six, they switched from uh, a multi-scale map where, you know, on the world map, there's just a single square town, and when you stand on it and press enter, you go to the town screen. Now it's all just a continue. When they made it a continuous map, that messes with the geography a lot because all of a sudden the distance between towns gets way smaller when the towns are taking up a huge chunk of the world map on their own. And I, I love Ultima, but it does kind of feel like sometimes like the series got like pulled almost in weird ways. Like you could almost see him being like, "Oh, I played a cool JRPG." I'm going to introduce something from it in here, you know? Like, it definitely feels like there's, like, it's an ongoing sum of all its parts type thing where he's learning from in from different influences as he's going, even though everybody else is doing the same with his game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, with, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and he's also really, really into a specific vision of the role-playing game that creates a like a living, breathing world. Right, the changes are are hitting and affecting, and you know that kind of thing. And that that's something that of its time felt crazy. I mean, Ultima as a series felt nuts when you would play like between it. But um, you know, by 1999, <laughs> whatever the time the last one came out, you know, a lot of what he had or Richard Garrett had developed had really just become kind of like, yeah, of course we're going to do that, but. Um, there's some crazy stuff with like outer space like you could go into into space and fight monsters or something that's that happens in i believe ultima one and possibly also ultima two but they got away from that kind of stuff oh, okay towards a more consistent world now like... ultima online brought a lot of that back though ultima online was like the kitchen sink throw it all in there so but yeah are you liking it I, so this is the interesting thing about it to me, is that Ultima 7 is, first of all, like, it's a huge technical leap forward in a ton of ways for the for PC games generally, for the genre of the RPG, but it's also a janky, hideous mess. Yep. That where, and so, for me, my favorite in the series so far, at least, is Ultima 5, Warriors of Destiny, which to me felt like like everything they had done in the first four Ultimas, they kind of refined and took it as far as you could possibly go uh, with that. And it and so it feels very like it's not perfect. Perfect is the wrong word to use, but it's polished and it's mm -hmm. tight and it does everything it sets out to do very well. Yeah, it's and, kind of like the end game of Ultima. Like if I, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and so then Ultima Six takes a big step uh, forward in fleshing out the world. Like, all the objects are there in the world. We're not just looking at icons that give us the idea of things. If there's a table 
and that table has a, a cheese wheel on it, you can take that cheese wheel. You yep. can move that table. And and it goes even further in Ultima 7, which, for example, introduces an inventory system where you open your backpack and a backpack pop-up window appears on the screen. And now you can seamlessly click and drag objects that are in your backpack and place them in the world. Or if you open up your, your paper doll equipment screen, you can take something right from the world and equip it directly. And the game will remember where every single thing is. And so this is this stuff is all remarkable. But at the same time, in the quest for like, I guess, more immersion and more realism, they made their way to first Ultima Six did the battles right in the same screen instead of having a separate battle screen, which got a little clumsy sometimes just because you're not fighting in a well crafted battle arena. Ultima seven brings in real time combat and not in a way that is even slightly well executed. It's just complete <laughs> that, madness. That was you the press, one where, Yeah. Go ahead. You press the C key to go into combat mode, and then a few seconds later, you've either killed the leash or you're dead, and you're game over. You don't know why, and, and if you lose a battle, 99 times out of 100, the way to, to eventually beat that battle is to just keep trying. Yeah, it just literally, like, RNG it, yeah. I, I just this weekend, I was fighting a leash, and it's a, an extremely powerful monster, and it kept beating us. And I was trying to come up with actual tactics, like, what if we put powder kegs here and here so when it teleports? <laughs> and then finally, I was like, you know what, we got to just get out of this dungeon and, I, uh, and, like, regroup, maybe do some training, gain some stats. And when I went to leave, it turned out even though the lish is contained within a locked, magically locked room with a sign that says do not free the lish, it could actually just teleport itself out. So it teleported itself out and attacked us. And I went, oh, damn it. And I hit C and instantly we played the screen. <laughs> we one-shotted the lish uh, because it's so random. Yep. So, and like inventory management, it's really cool what they achieved. But it's a really also an accurate simulation of what it would be like if you had 700 objects in a backpack. They don't stay in the same places. They cover each other up. It's maddeningly frustrating. Uh, so, so like playing inventory Tetris. Yeah. Well, you yeah. lose it. Like, like he. I think what he's saying too is like you might put your, you know, sword of holding or whatever in this one spot every time, but then when you go to look back at your inventory, you've got to scroll through your entire inventory to find yeah. it oh, sometimes. Oh no! Yeah. It's underneath a ham now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and we've gone Go from ahead. from the first five games having a food meter where you just bought rations, they appeared in a single stat numerically, and that just stat just went down over time, and if it got to zero, everyone was hungry, they started dying. Now we have individual food items, and each member of the team must be fed individually. They will not automatically feed themselves. They just complain about being hungry until you double-click on a side of mutton and click on them. Like the baby <laughs> what morons. Baby bird. Baby bird. Wait, you like chew it up for them and spit it? Hey, baby you might as well be. They will not do it themselves. They will starve to death with a backpack full of cheese. And, <laughs> and so, so what I'm saying is that this game is like every single thing that makes an RPG good, like character development and, and combat and the magic system and, and all this stuff is executed terribly in this game 
when just two games ago in the series, it was all being executed at least very good and often at an excellent level. And yet, the world does feel so fleshed out and alive and just talking to the NPCs and finding out what happened and seeing what crazy things you can do with the environment system. Uh, really, I, I'm invested and like I'm enjoying it more every time I play it, even though as a game, it's not very good. Yeah, that's kind of where I was getting, I think maybe with my comment about like how at the same time that Ultima's inspiring other people, it's being inspired by other things, but always in very weird ways that felt kind of inconsistent, I guess. Um, like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big Beatles fan. Don't tell anybody. Um, but, like, you know, like, people are like, oh, the Beatles inspired everybody to do this, this, and this. But, like, if you listen to this album, they've been inspired by, you know, Ravi Shankar's music or whatever, right? Yeah. That's kind of what I've always felt about Ultima. It's like he was playing other games and be like, wow, this is a really cool system. How can I get this into Ultima? And a lot of times it was very mixed results. Like you said, you already had a hunger feeding, a uh, hunger system, you know, but I'm sure he played some game. I don't know where, where there was like more of a survival element to it and was like, well, you know, maybe I can do this a little bit more, a little bit better, a little, and it, it just doesn't need it. It never needed it. So a lot of the changes that would come out, you'd be like, what was the point of this? You know, there's even a, I read an interview with Richard Garriott where he was talking about a game that origin systems actually put out that used the most primarily instead of the keyboard. And he said, when we released that, like, I was so mad because I realized, like, this is what it should have been all along. And so Ultima 6 is, like, uh, uses the most, but still has a lot of keyboard redundancy. And then Ultima 7 is just like, no, you're going to do all <laughs> with the most. And it's frustrating because in Ultima 5, it's like everything you wanted to do is right a single key press away. So it really all made sense a really good analysis of like ultima as a series like the world and the story kept it together but the gameplay and mechanics and like just like the how-to of the game kept it as far apart almost as possible you know yeah and i know that there's a like a huge community that still plays this game probably not the way i'm doing it they're using the exalt ultima 7 uh engine emulator but and i know that a huge part of what the community likes to do is like play in the sandbox Mm -hmm. you can do mess around with stuff you can make bread yeah. by using water together with flour that you milled from grain and then put it in the oven uh and that now you've got a single bread that will last you for three seconds before your party members are like i must eat now and none of that I mean, you can just keep that bread they're not going to eat it themselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> nobody that... wants adventurer bread right <laughs> none of that appeals to me at all I, I just want to go on a quest, uh, but but the world, like having all that stuff around me while I'm on a quest, is cool. So it it keeps the game alive, even though most of the things that were fun about it aren't there anymore for me. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So do you think that in like trying to? simulate something a little more realistic the game kind of lost something yes it gained and lost it okay and, yeah i agree totally yeah like and for every two steps forward it would take as a series it take a one weird inexplicable step back and you just you would like i've replayed ultima probably 
three times in my life, like the, run it as a series. And every time it's like you just get to something, you're like, oh, my God, why did they do this? I forgot about this mechanic or this part or this, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, God, you know, and it, it, it ruins any kind of playthrough, like what you're doing, because it just it doesn't feel consistent. It's like you're playing a whole different game all of a sudden. Yeah, that is but, kind of a bummer. You'd hope yeah. for some consistency well, from a, top to bottom. It's a weird outcome where, like, if you ask me for my review, it's like, well, you know, 6 out of 10, strongly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Kappa, what have you been playing? Uh, all these old games. I want to say something new and cool and hip, but I restarted a Dragon Age playthrough um, because I, let's say, I think 4 might come out. <laughs> Um, I think it's coming next year, yeah. Anything's going to happen. Yeah, what what percentage do we have it at? (laughs) Um, First thing I want to rant about a little bit is let's talk teeth. Um, I cannot stand teeth in Dragon Age. And I hope we have a really good picture of um, how bad the teeth are in Dragon Age. Um, Oh, I remember Zephron. (laughs) I I know those teeth, man. They worse than... uh... The new I, Mass Effect? They look like they're made of wood, I, I think is being generous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Googling Dragon Age teeth. Uh, yeah, Dragon Age teeth. Th- there have uh, got to be some teeth mods for the game. Or, yeah, oh, sure. yeah, there are. There are. They, they are distractingly bad. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, my. Um, and so, like, it kind of takes you out of it when, like, the very first scene, you know, and there's... They have some, you know, they have character sliders and you can mess with this and you can mess with that. But for some reason, they just love this really weird jutted out, like, I don't know, like, internet Chad meme chin. <laughs> Every single <laughs> chin is, like, super jutted out. And then when the character talks, sometimes they'll show the character in profile and it's just wooden teeth and this, like, Disney villain chin. And, it, oh, I, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh, especially when you're trying to, like, you know, replay the game. Dragon Age Origins, uh, we've said a million things about it. It's a fantastic game. But what what I think more is this is my effort to, like, metagame this series. And what is my decision going to be? Like, my final, I know where this goes. Who is this character? Who is that character type stuff, right? So I think my Grey Warden is going to be a human from, you know, the Kuzlins. Um, you know, kind of run through that story and everything. I think it makes the most sense in later terms of the game. Um, I think, I don't know. I just, I just always thought about that and I'm going to make a couple of decisions and then going to have, uh, so I think I said this on the avocado, but at first I was going to play a character based on my wife. And then I was like, wait, I need to have, I need to have the demon baby. <laughs> it's like, uh, with a female character, it has to be with Alistair, right? Or there's that one little like, you know, blood magic ritual, but I didn't want to do that. So I was like, I don't know if I can like have my virtual wife sleep with Alistair because he's so boring. <laughs> 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 like... She was like, so awesome. out of it. I was like, I can't do that. Can't. <laughs> so, um, so we kind of swerved, re- recreated, went from there. Um, so I'm doing my main character as as a gentleman uh, of the House Kuzlin um, for the first one. Um, I think I'm probably going to do a, a dwarf for. Um, for two, I don't know why. Just that freewheeling surface dwarf of uh, Kirkwall feels like a good fit. And then for three, I really want to do an elf mage inquisitor. I feel like that's a like the most powerful story, and then sets me up to really take it to s- the secret villain of 
I guess I can spoil it, right? Um, it's been a while. Solus in, in DA4. Yeah. I mean, he's on all the art at this point, so I don't think anybody's surprised. But um, you, Wait, you can play as a dwarf in Dragon Age 2? I think so, right? I thought you could only play as a human. Maybe I'm right. Oh, yeah, you're right. I can only play yeah. as a human. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I'm – but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a mage in one that goes along with the um, – whatchamacallit, the blood – the blood ritual with what's his name uh anders so i'm going to be like the good mage or that goes bad type feel with it and then i want my elf inquisitor to be like the mage who brings it all together but destroys the chantry in the process you know um but solid plan i really want i really in my idea i because i didn't know that da4 was going to be a continuation of inquisition and that's what they're saying now right from everything i've read it's it's not a whole new game 10 years after and you're not playing any of the main characters. It looks like the Inquisition is over, but you're still playing kind of in that that same frame or whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I'm just kind of I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. Two is the hardest one, I guess, especially since you really only got the choice of which class to play. Um, I thought you could be a dwarf. I don't know why. Maybe it was a mod that I played or something. Um, but what Hope I really, yeah. yeah, what I really want from two though this time is I want to get something not so hung up on you know the annoying re- redos of dungeons and stuff like that, and try to play it as a smaller story that's its own thing, which I think I really had problems doing the first couple times I played through like replays because like. I don't hate DA2 for a lot of the reasons other people hate it for. It just, I like that it's a small personal story and everything. It's just, at some point, you're, you're boiling down to, a, you know, the ultimate choice of mage good or mage bad. Well, the mages are very definitively doing bad shit, right? So it's not much of a choice to me, right? And the whole game hinges on that. I don't know anybody who would sit there and be like, you know, what Anders does is okay. It just never feels like it. Yeah, I think part of the problem is even if you side with um, like the more peaceful mage guy, what's his name? Uh, sorry, Duke Orsino. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. If you side with him, uh, no matter what, he ends up losing his mind and yeah. going like, crazy, turned into, into some sort yeah. of demon. <laughs> like, and if even if you side with uh, what's the the lady's name. Oh, the Magister or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. If you side with her, she also ends up going crazy. Yeah. Like, you don't... <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, it's not really a choice. Yeah. There's no choice. Like, yeah. they, they're, they're going to bored. end up going crazy. They sit there the whole game and they're sitting there telling you, you know, hey, look, this isn't something all mages do. We don't all go, you know, blood mage and turn into demon. We don't all do that. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. You do. <laughs> Every single one of you does that. Yeah. Exactly. The thing the Templars are saying, like, this is why we don't let you out of the tower. You guys do it. <laughs> so, but then I, the Templars also do it. It just becomes pointless. Yeah. So that's why 2 is, is the hardest one for me to get through. It's not just the recycled textures and this and that. It's just I feel really weird about the way that game handles the mage storyline because there's a lot of, you know, people make a lot of real world connections to Dragon Age as a series. You know, this is, you know, this or the elves are slaves. And, and that's all true. But I think the story between the mages and Templars is like they're trying to suppress their power, um, you know, and their their true nature. And that that's awful. People shouldn't do that. You should be allowed to live how you are and all this other stuff. But 
at the same time, if you turn into a nuclear bomb because somebody made fun of you, <laughs> like that, that yeah. does change things a little, right? Um, I will say to Dragon Age's credit, I don't think they're aiming for allegory. At least I yeah, hope they're not. A lot of that allegory. is stuff that people read into it, right? But you yeah. Know, when you would see think pieces pretty routinely being like, you know, oh, wow, this is definitely a story about the struggle for civil rights or something. And you're like, well, I, 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 mean, I would hope you wouldn't difference. read it that way. Right. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that seems like, it seems like you're, you're going to read it in a way that's, there's no way you're going to read it and feel good about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's no, there's no concise answer where this feels like, oh, okay, well we figured this one out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Two's the toughest one for me. Um, I really think that that replaying the series just to try to get to where I want. Now, I, I think the Dragon Age Keep is still around. So if you really don't want to do that, I think that's an option. Yeah, um, that website there. where you can go through and like basically, hey, here's all the choices I would have made. But um, I do want to be reminded of what some of those choices are before I, I make my kind of locked in go to DA4 with these choices set in stone type feel. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Dragon Age Two, I'd forgotten a lot of the choices because Dragon Age Two is effectively like five plots layered on top of each other. When you go on the keep, like Inquisition and Origin has like five hundred pages of tapestry, and like like uh, two is like who'd you romance? <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, that's pretty much it. Everybody Everyone. Yeah, 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 the whole city basically. I, and Isabella didn't mind. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, she was there. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of that's kind of telling on the game itself a little bit when even the keep is just kind of like, yeah, here's the four or five things that matter. And Origins has like, what did you do with this dog in stage three? You know what I mean? Like, but you see, the thing is, I remember that dog from stage three, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I don't remember like the one important person I talked to in Dragon Age 2. Which is weird uh, how, how the hero of Kirkwall kind of gets overbilled in Inquisition over the the warden commander don't you think like so that's part a big part of the reason why i want to replay it because i want to have a feel for my hero of uh kirkwall which i i didn't have when i played da the first or inquisition the first time i expected those characters to pop up but i'm like i don't remember you i don't don't know who you are you're like a a stranger to me you know um so i do want to make some of those those changes um and the the mistake i made when i was playing uh dragon age inquisition is I made my Inquisition character look pretty much exactly like my Dragon Age 2 character. So uh-huh. when my... Uh, <laughs> so you gotta load in. <laughs> yeah, I, I load in, and then that scene happens towards the end of the game when my Dragon Age 2 hero shows up, and it's like they're two identical twins talking to each other. <laughs> One of those things where it takes you out of it because somebody should be commenting on this. Yeah, like, wait, you guys look really similar. Whoa, <laughs> Well, wow, real spitting image of the hero of Kirkwall here. You you have more family than you thought, hero of Kirkwall. All right. Uh, anything else you want to mention about Dragon Age? Oh, so no. I'm curious. Not I have now. a question about Dragon Age. Oh, okay. Yeah, go sure, Randy, go ahead. So uh, you're talking about how, I guess it's like Mass Effect, so choices you make in the previous games affect what happened in later games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I think I have it on uh, Xbox One. So can I? Does it transfer in data from the 360? I games, think or? that the keep is tied to your EA account. I think you set up uh-huh. the EA account regardless of platform. And then, so Dragon Age Keep is a website. Okay. And what it does is it tracks the changes. Now, I'm not a hundred percent that it, it does mm-hmm. this, but I think you have to link an EA account 
for everything. A lot of the old systems for Dragon Age, like specifically, were deprecated. So like, um, you used to go like on the Bioware forums and like log in, and that's where you got certain things. But like, all those are gone now, like long yeah. gone. So I think ninety percent of what you do is just kept on the keep as kind of like a spreadsheet document uh, of a version of it, mm-hmm. and then it says you can create a character you can import a character you can kind of say like hey you know roll me a random character where i made the following decisions i don't care about the other following decisions so um if you're really just looking like the meat of the story is in one and three like we're talking about two is it's a good story but it's it's if you're not looking to spend 90 hours kind of in a very small yeah i I played two for a while back when it was a notable title yeah i just remember being in that town and yeah, you, you don't leave to that go, town. So. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. you're in the town so long, and you're going yeah. from, like, dungeon to dungeon, and every time you go through a fucking street, there's, like, 12 bandits that come yeah, out Yeah, they all stop you. you, and, like, yeah, you get locked into a cop. Yeah, two, two yeah. had lots of problems. They were trying okay. to do some stuff with it that never really worked, but what I think you could probably safely do is, like, maybe replay Origins at least far enough where you're like, okay, I get a, I get a feel for this. Mm-hmm. Then I would go back, and I would just make my decisions in Dragon Age Keep, for two i mean like if you could you could youtube or look some stuff up about you know who's the character i would love interest or stuff like that i would just kind of do that and then um what i would say for um inquisition i think is a very imminently replayable type game honestly um i think it, it flows the best and it doesn't have something like the fade like uh origins does where just like full stop this game sucks for the next eight hours or whatever Mm. um it's also got the best modding community. Um, Dragon Age without mods to me is like Skyrim without mods at this point. I've always got to load. I got to fix them damn teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but other stuff, you know, like you, there's a lot of mods that can fix a lot of story stuff in there too. There's especially two has a lot of stuff that locks you into pathways before you even realize you're making a choice. Um, the best, the most similar thing I can explain it to is everybody's played Mass Effect, so you know that part in. Um, Mass Effect 2, I think, or maybe it's 3, I don't know, where basically, like, hey, your crew's been abducted, um, you know, and you don't know that there's a hidden timer in the game that's mm-hmm. clicking down, and if you don't do it fast enough, you basically get the bad ending. Yeah. Um, DA2 has a little bit of that type of feel going on to it, where there's certain things you don't know are deciding endings, and you're maybe kind of locked in before the average RPG enjoyer would realize oh, shit, I've made a choice that's going to affect me in the end of the game. Um, Got it. So I would, you know, a lot of YouTubes, a lot of stuff like that with it, but it's an enjoyable series. But going into 4, I just really, like, especially looking at my own keep before I loaded and stuff, I was like, I made a lot of dumb shit decisions at the time, you know? So, like, it's it's a chance to kind of fix your your kind of what you want your, your own personal canon to be, which I love. That's the kind of shit to me that BioWare excels at. The fact that I can sit there and go, yeah, these are the choices, all the choices I would have made if I would known. And, you know, I know some people are like, oh, I'll have to live with this, but no, nah, I, I want my, I want it to be like my story, not, you know, at the time I didn't realize this was that big, as big of a deal type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I should point out, unless they've changed it, I don't believe you can import your saves from Dragon Age Origins and 2 into the keep i don't think so either but i think in inquisition it gives inquisition you a chance automatically six to, yeah, yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say but inquisition gives origins and two do not to um yeah. 
to basically fix it though. Like I think yeah. there's a like a, I can't remember what it is. It's like what what did the you know the hero of Pharrell, uh, Free Wall do, and then you can make those choices in game. I don't think you can. I think you just get a generic looking one though. A generic looking hawk is the thing. Um, but... I believe. Uh, gosh, I forget how they do it. I forget whether you import your hawk. I think you can import your hawk, but you can't import the choice. I'll have to look this up. It, I used to other, know this. Yeah. I I knew this back when the game came out. Gosh, nine years ago. Now. That's why I'm replaying it. All this kind of stuff was like, yeah. oh yeah, of course. But now I'm like, eh, I don't remember this. I don't remember that. But yeah. But two is a big old black hole for memory for me. And then. Um, you know, it was kind of something like, like as I played it, I just remember feeling disappointment. You know, and like not like soul crushing. This is the worst game ever, but like man, this is, you know, the sequel to basically this game I thought was gonna redo everything. It's just kind of eh. But um, oh yeah, I thought. Excited. Yeah, I'll see where it goes. Well, the leaks that came out, I think, are a little controversial. I I can. Oh, tell. There should be. Yeah, they should like. So. This should not be a God of War inspired action RPG. This should be a tactical real time with pause kind of game. Not as crunchy as something like Pillars that's way too crunchy. It should be a little more tactile, a little more action oriented, but you still need that tactical combat to make it what Dragon Age really is. Uh, Inquisition got a little bit too away from that for my Mm -hmm. liking. I would like them. Like, they don't. Have, it doesn't have to be as crazy as Origins. I don't need like the full suite of programming tools that thing yeah, has. But if if injured at twenty five percent, drink lyrium potion type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but like honestly, if Tales of Arise can manage having that kind of programming in yeah. there, and that game is an action ass action RPG, then I think you can put some of that stuff in uh, a Dragon Age game. Very odd. I mean, it's it, it's weird to see that type of combat in there. What I'm hoping is that that's like maybe like an option or a version or like you know what I mean. Hey, I, you know, I click this box and I play God of War instead of, but it still has that base style tactics in there because that would immediately be disappointing. But you know, yeah, if you can't command your party around, like why yeah. even do it, right? Yeah. All right. So as for what I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of games. I have recently finished a few indie games that I'll briefly mention in a little bit. Uh, but the big ticket kind of game that I've been playing recently is Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Yeah. Ooh. This has got a lot of uh, late comers to it, huh? I yeah, I just didn't year. have time to play it last year. Yeah. I bought it. Like, I bought it the day it came out. And I was like, I'll finish Xenoblade in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I finished that in, like, the last week of December. Uh, so I just never got around to Sparks of Hope. Um, so I, it like commercially flopped, which is mm-hmm. kind of tragic because it's really good. Um, like I, I don't think I like it as much as I did Kingdom Battle, but Kingdom Battle I kind of liked almost for its novelty more than anything else. Um, this is a lot of what you liked about Kingdom Battle if you were a Kingdom Battle fan. Uh, but the big switch is that instead of grid-based combat, it's XCOM style. It's radial-based. Mm. So no grid anymore. Now it's all we about could, radius of movement. I should jump in for the folks listening at home. The modern XCOM games are grid-based, but the original <laughs> XCOM. When I saw this in your notes, Merv, I was thrown off for a moment. But yeah, the original uh, XCOM. Wait, I've played Enemy Unknown. It's not grid-based. 
Or is it grid-based under the hood, but it looks not grid-based when you're playing it? Ah, Enemy Unknown. You know what? I've only played XCOM 2 of the modern ones, now that I think about it, which was definitely grid-based. Okay. I haven't played 2. I've only played Enemy Unknown, which is not grid-based to my knowledge. Um, But I'll have to double-check, because I didn't really like Enemy Unknown, so I can't remember it that well. Um. But yeah, so it's like it's a little bit like tactics games that are radial based um, or distance based, but you have a little more flexibility because instead of like having a turn where you move and then a turn where you attack, instead of movement being an action, you can move flexibly wherever you want in your movement radius until you fire your weapon which is actually really neat. It means that what you can do is you can move somewhere, use a special ability that uh, that operates within a radius, then move somewhere else within your movement radius, and then attack. Um, so it gives you a lot more options. In addition, some what the other thing they've added compared to Kingdom Battle, which was 100% turn-based, there are a few real-time elements. It's almost like Valkyria Chronicles. So there are things like bombs will go off and you have a small amount of time to pick them up and throw them um, or team jump movement now instead of uh, it being predetermined you actually like move around your character in the sky as they float towards Ooh, the ground that sounds awesome actually yeah so they've added a whole bunch of like more tactile elements while still keeping the turn-based nature of the combat um, one thing that I do really appreciate about it though is that this is not a game that wants you to be standing around and cover all the time. Like yeah. cover does matter. Um, but what you, um, the way you kind of play this is you, it wants you to be really aggressive and like dash into enemies or kind of get in the midst of a firefight and then kind of retreat afterwards. That's been so one that, of the bigger changes with, I think, these types of games lately. Um, yeah. First, uh, like, I think we talked about uh, Gears of War Tactics, and they do almost that exact thing, right? It's like... That is the exact like reference point I was thinking of, because yeah. you'd mentioned it. Yeah, they uh, they that, don't like you sitting there anywhere. They're like, go out there and get it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's not like cover doesn't matter. You, you want to be in cover more than you don't want right, to be in right. cover, but there is like a genuine trade-off to sometimes leaving uh like staying in cover versus uh that was the, leaving that safety that was what slows down xbox or not xbox um xcom games so much is like there's times where like okay if i can't move to cover i'm not gonna move because i don't know what's there and if my character doesn't end the turn in cover they are 75 yeah, percent dead advanced. yeah yeah it's, oh so man i would just sit there <laughs> in in original xcom i've had like entire like five rounds in a row where I took maybe three steps yeah. <laughs> two of my squad members to get them all positioned so they're all aiming their guns at a door and then just like end yeah, you the like five snipers like, on Overwatch <laughs> yeah. will the alien come out will it come out yeah this game is great because there's no fog of war you see the entire board laid out for you uh, when you start I mean I'm pretty early on maybe there's some fog of war mechanics later but for now it's just you see the entire board 
you could pretty much plan out your entire strategy right from the get-go. You do have to react to what the characters are doing uh, or what your opponent is doing, but you can kind of almost play it like a puzzle box. Right, um, right. I will say it is a little bit too easy. I almost, I was really tempted to just bump up the difficulty to hard, which I almost never do. I think I've played maybe one game on hard my entire life. Um, but the weird thing about it, and I think this is what put people off about it, is there's voice acting in this game. <laughs> and I don't think there should be. Like... The rabbits okay. talk? Like, I've never heard a rabbit talk before. Like, yeah, kind of annoying. Like a minion. Yeah, the rabbits talk a little bit. Like, do they, they have... Like, do they speak, like, English? Or is it like... Yeah, they speak like, English, but, like, short phrases. Yeah. What a... And so they won't speak their entire dialogue. They'll speak a short phrase, like, almost as, like, in a JRPG or visual novel. Where you're not going through the really plot-heavy stuff. Okay. Uh, like, when you do, like, side plots, they... They do like these uh, short phrases yeah. or stock phrases. That's how the rabbits are. The Mario characters don't talk at all. Like they do their efforts and their catchphrases, but that's it. But then your AI assistant characters, which are named Beepo and Genie, they have full voice acting, which is really <laughs> yeah. weird. It does not fit. That is yeah, bizarre. you get one or the other, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, like bring everyone down to the Mario level and yeah. just have them go, ha or yay, hooray, or let's go, or great job at the most, right? <laughs> you don't want them saying anything more than that. I don't think this game needs that. I don't think it needed to have that extra expense on voice acting. No, I, um, can't, I can't imagine. Are they like dumping exposition? Are we expected to care about the sparks of hope? Yeah, there are lore dumps with lots of spoken dialogue. Oh, and I am fine with the lore. I am yeah. fine reading that lore. But giving voice to that lore almost like ruins the illusion of the like the perfect level of silliness the game has. Right? When it's when you give a voice to it, it like that balance that Kingdom Battle struck so well kind of gets thrown out of whack. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's important to be goofy in that tone or it feels really weird with that type of game um you know it's you gotta be silly it's a silly premise it's a silly idea Every, the the rabbits are silly right like anytime you're you're kind of trying to take any of that seriously in in the story i think it's gonna lose out i think it, it's almost uh it is kind of that problem i think it's almost like i know we quip we like there's the whole backlash against Josh Whedon, understandably, because he's not a good person. Yeah. Um, but like, there's almost kind of like that element of the the dialogue not taking itself super seriously, which works for a game um, where it's not voiced. But the yeah. second you have that, the second you're kind of expressing that, like half serious dialogue uh, out loud where it's not taking the premise seriously, it it starts to feel a little grating. Like, yeah. it was cool when you were not giving a voice to it, so I could uh, ascribe any level of seriousness that I wanted to this. But if you're doing the whole two cools for school thing right. with the actual voice dialogue, it never comes across yeah. well. That's a good way to put it. it. It's very childish. Like, it's it makes the whole thing a little, you know... It's less fun exactly, and more of a yeah. joke. It's like a, a kid making fun of you for liking playing Magic the Gathering or something. You know what I mean? It's like 
okay, I'm, I'm enjoying. Leave me alone. Like, I don't know. Yeah, why it's almost like feel like you shouldn't be enjoying this. This is dumb. Like, no, I, I like it. Why are you telling me that game? <laughs> exactly. It was like before I felt like I was in on the joke, and now uh, the game is kind of like pointing at me and saying, "Haha, you're not in on the joke." But I'm like, I wasn't on the joke. Yeah. I, I got the joke. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, other than that, though, I'm really enjoying this, but I'm fairly early on. I haven't even completed the first stage. Uh, so things could change. I imagine it'll get a lot more complex, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. Thanks for at least playing a newish game so we don't... I'm excited to check it out. I got Retro it game this. review. Geriatric cast. <laughs> I, I got this game for Christmas this year, but I haven't even... It's still in the shrink wrap. You know, I, have not, I haven't found the time yet. It's a good transition to talk to you, but how crazy has this like past couple months been just in terms of releases after what was kind of a ho-hum you know, holiday, but it feels like all of a sudden I've got a backlog of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. like yeah, I know, I Andy, you mentioned you've been playing Fire Emblem Engage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that came out early in January. Um, and then there was Forspoken, which didn't really set the world yeah, on fire. Exactly, <laughs> knock anybody out, huh? I uh, I was disappointed by the writing on it. I know we talked a little bit about it last time, you know, and um, I don't know. I feel like this could have been the opening to a new kind of franchise, kind of like an uncharted feeling, you know, on this this new world with this. But there's a, that that whole thing kind of left me cold, honestly. And I I know it's one of those games where you got a lot of asshole MRA types, you know, who are saying, yeah, you know, bad because girl, but that's not really it. Honestly, with that game, it just kind of feels like they were going for something that like, maybe it was like one of those like designed by committees things where nothing just really worked. And so they, just... I get the sense. Yeah. Well, didn't sure. an article just come out about Forspoken where uh, Gary Witta, the writer said that whatever he wrote for that game is like, doesn't match anything. I wouldn't be surprised. We, we talked about that very specifically in the last games cast where I was like, I, this is surprising because Gary Witter usually nails this type of feel, right? Like, um, you know, Hey, this fish out of water protagonist comes in and, you know, has to make this world their own. And, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I felt, and Amy Henning was the other author or writer on it. Credited yeah. And it's the same thing. Again. Yeah. So they're credited with the original story, uh, but it was Todd Stashwick and someone else who wrote the script. Yeah, the script is where I think it falls apart. I mean, you know, whatever. It's, it's Isekai. It's like Isekai? I don't know. Help me out. Isekai. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. I don't actually know Japanese. But, but you know, but then it, I think it's just that, I don't know, I feel like it cribbed from a lot of weird sources, and it didn't, it didn't come together as a whole. And that's why I was really surprised to see those two names attached to that story. Um but yeah, I think I think it didn't light, light the world on fire for a couple different reasons. But um, I don't know. That dialogue didn't help at all. I, it did not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I the best way I could describe it is, is the same stuff I don't like about where Marvel gets a lot of its humor is the same thing they had in that game where she was like, mm-hmm. "I did it. I did uh, this with my flipping mind, my freaking mind." I, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, come well, on, that happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, you look over your shoulder, and she's fighting with this thing on her arm that sounds so much like Jarvis. It's hard for me to turn that off. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like the, what, I can't remember what it's called. It's called, like, Van Brace. Cuff. The cuff. Uh, uh, yeah, he wants to be called Van Brace. Van Brace would be, sound so much cooler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, I'm going to call you Cuff. And then 
but like it, it sounds so much like Jarvis. So when they're having these little like smarmy kind of arguments, it's just I don't know. Like it's hard for me to shake. Like wow, this feels like a a, a B pass at a Marvel script. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, but two other big games uh, came out towards the end of January uh, that I think kind of dominated the discourse for a couple of weeks. One of those was the Dead Space remake, mm-hmm. uh, which actually got a lot of plaudits yeah. when it came out. I I didn't think it would be any good, yeah, but surprisingly, they they pulled it off. I thought this would be the exact opposite of what happened. I thought Callista Protocol was going to blow everyone away. And yep. Dead yeah. Space was going to feel like an also-ran in its own kind of genre. And it was exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Not Volition, sorry. Uh, Motive did a yeah. great job with it. Yeah, but um, doesn't it feel like uh, Callista Protocol kind of came and went with a whimper for all the hype it was getting a couple even weeks ago, it felt like? Yeah, it did not... It was not well received mm-hmm. critically. I shouldn't say not well received. It got you know mix of good and bad reviews, mm-hmm. uh, but it did not do well commercially. Yeah. It was a sales disappointment, I believe, for Crafton. Well, it has a stupid name. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it it's like yeah. Uh, the only protocol I want is Alpha. Don't, don't get me with any <laughs> no other protocols. <laughs> we got room for one protocol in video games. <laughs> I want my Stephen Heck back. That guy was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, I've called that one way wrong. I'm glad we didn't put that anywhere in writing because I, I would have picked that exactly opposite of how it ended up. Um, but yeah, I think I think what people like about Dead Space and seeing a lot of streamers play it who I don't think maybe experienced it the first time around and it's an original state is the type of horror that, that Dead Space gives you is super claustrophobic, you're trapped in this room with this thing that wants to kill you. You're running low on ammo. It's the kind of stuff that early Resident Evil really hit on. Yeah. But I don't think does as much anymore. But that you're locked in the room with five things. The door is closed. You can't, you know, you know, Goomba stomp them. You're, you're stuck in the room with them until you figure out how to get out. So um, I, I like that about Dead Space. I think Dead Space yeah. series, I'm glad I, it's around or again. I did listen to this interview that I believe Waypoint did with uh, the makers of both the original Dead Space and the remake. And one of the things that the original devs took as a point of inspiration was Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. They were very much inspired by it. And they're like, Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4 is pretty great. We should make a Resident Evil, but in space. <laughs> and that's, yeah. That was basically their, their whole deal. I mean, I have to imagine they were also inspired by uh, like Aliens, the Alien. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it was the best Aliens game before Aliens made. You know, game. I think that Dead Space. I thought you were gonna say Colonial Marines. (laughs) I I just played Colonial Marines. Don't you bring him up? You you know, I know you're close. (laughs) That game sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, we've got we got a lot of deep lore with that game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. His his company uh, to jump ahead, and we're gonna jump back. But this is a segue that I'm not gonna let go. His company, Gearbox, just published a an indie game on Valentine's yes. Day called Blanc. Yeah, it looks great. Is yeah, it, is it good? That's a Gearbox game. <laughs> I mean, they didn't develop it, but they published it. Yeah. Um, it's like this uh, black and white. Uh, co-op game set in the snow where it's I believe a fox and a deer I want to mm-hmm. say yeah who are uh, cooperating to <laughs> uh, 
complete challenges. I'm looking at the uh, pictures of this now. It looks lovely. Oh, it looks gorgeous. I mean, I've heard it's boring, but gorgeous, which is, you know, kind of my alley. <laughs> so just like Borderlands 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, classic Gearbox. Just a minimalist aesthetic. Great Valentine's Day game yeah. <laughs> right there. Um, the game that I actually wanted to jump back to, sorry for jumping ahead, was uh, Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. which Microsoft just shadow dropped. Uh, out of nowhere, huh? Yeah, um, and it felt like it took over everything for a little bit, right? Um, oh, for sure. Like I went out and played it when it came out. It's it was pretty dope. I just finished it a couple of nights ago. Oh, wow, really? You finished it? I yeah. enjoyed it, but I could be like the the I don't know how to describe it. That mechanic is not for me. <laughs> like I just I the little like killing on the beat type thing. I don't know what oh, you yeah. call mm. it, but it's it showed up before in games. Um, yeah, like Remember the- Me was the previous game that. Did something like this yeah um it, that is it's just tough for me it i don't know why like i don't actually don't, i don't play games all the time with sound on and i think that's a big part of why you know i'll read the subtitles and stuff i just got you know as a dad of two you know <laughs> like, well, yeah everything, you, know, you but can't like, like yeah i can't zone like, in always like zone right in on the game but it looks so much fun if you can just kind of like you know black everything else around you out and just really kind of you know this is is what i'm doing all day today but um, man, it, it, the style of that game is incredible. I mean, that, that's what makes me want to play it almost more than anything else. Here's oh, yeah, it's fantastic. They, um, it's got a, like a mixture of shonen anime and Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. with almost like this PS... Like, it's the most PS2-ass game that the PS2 never yeah, put out. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> like, it's... It's got that kind of like old school, like yeah, video games are great vibe, <laughs> which I yeah. I think it nails to a T. It, it's like yeah. one of those movies where it's like you know, it, aren't movies great? You know, there's always that like like genre, like use like a Spielberg movie or something, you know, like oh, the Fable, uh, man. Hugo or something, you know. But yeah, so I, what's that about the the Fablemans? Yeah, yeah it's like the Fablemans is about. Did yeah. you like the yeah. Fablemans? I love the Fablemans. Yeah. I haven't watched The Fablemans. I should watch The Fablemans. Feels like that love letter type genre. Hey, you know, wasn't this such a fun time for video games? And it was. It was. It was a fun time. You could just make a game about a kid who, you know, wanted to go to space, and who cares? That's the whole video game now, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty well, much. I have a question about Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah. Um, sorry, Andy. What was that question? I was just saying. Um, so the the trailer for Hi-Fi Rush gave me a lot of those same kind of um, forespoken vibes, where like. The dialogue is real, you know, cringy and kind of Joss Whedon-y. Is that, is that in the game? Like how, like how does how do they rectify it? Whereas kind of Forspoken maybe failed with it. I think what it does is it couches the cringe in a bit of, oh gosh, weren't we silly in the '90s? Maybe like a little like a layer of nostalgia almost mm. makes that go down a little bit easier. I don't know like how almost, else to explain it. Like a little more ironic. Yeah, like they're doing it's it ironically. More... Yeah, it's not even like it's not even necessarily irony. Um, like, okay, I'll let let me present what the argument people are making about it is, and then let me kind of state my own feelings on it, having completed the game. Um, the argument people are making is that Forspoken is a game that should be taking itself seriously, but is constantly winking at the audience. It's constantly undermining itself, mm-hmm. whereas uh, tonally. Hi-Fi Rush 
is more of a like a joyous, humorous, lighthearted experience. So that winking at the audience is more like bringing them in on the joke rather than undermining mm. um, the like the themes they're trying to get across. And I can sort of see that, but I also don't think this game is particularly well written. Like if I had to ding it for anything, it would be that its dialogue is kind of cringy and it is winking at the audience a little too much. And I just wish it had, um, instead of having that, that quippiness and that bickering, I just wish it had gone for kind of more standard humor. And I think that would have helped it a little go down a little mm-hmm. easier. It never reaches a point where it's grating. Like there's another game that I'm playing that came out recently that we're going to get to in a little bit where the dialogue is really, really grating. And I just want everyone in the game to shut up. <laughs> um, but here it never gets to the point where it's annoying, but I do think it could have been handled better. Yeah. And, and you finished it. I did it. So that might be the difference for me. I yeah. got, I got pretty decently far into it, but I could just kind of tell like, Hey, this is, you know, but I, the, the faults I always have is more with the gameplay than the, the writing. Perhaps yes. the way to reconcile Merv, both the the conventional wisdom take that, that you just described and, and your own take is that if you have a game where the world is deliberately kind of you know silly and off the wall, even if you find the, the quippy dialogue to be a flaw, it's not a flaw that that would spoil the experience of playing in that world in the same way that the exact same flaw in a story that's asking to take itself, take it seriously as a, as a drama, as a hero-based drama. But, yeah, that's the way I'd put it. Exactly. Um, some people have seen this kind of self-referential winking as a strength of Hi-Fi Rush, and I disagree. Uh-huh. I would say it's not a strength, but you're absolutely right. As a flaw, it's not a fatal flaw by any means. Like it's more like it's more like uh, this is kind of irritating, but I'm having so much fun with the rest of this game that I don't really care. Um, rather than something where I'm like, oh, this is so bad. Please shut up. I can, actually, I can pinpoint the exact moment in my own life where I realized that I'm over irony. And, <laughs> and, and it was uh, Double Dragon Neo. Does anyone remember that particular? No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heard of it, but don't remember it. Stop. It was the late 2000s, I think. Uh, yeah, it just had its 10-year anniversary like last year. Okay, so a little bit later than that. And, but it was like, so it's bringing Double Dragon to the modern era. And it was overpacked with like 80s references, like mm-hmm. Billy and Jimmy have stupid mullets now. And at the end of every level, they both play air guitar. Oh, and, yeah. And so, like, it's all like making fun of something that the original Double Dragon series wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. like, isn't it ridiculous that we used to play these games? Like, but it's like Billy and Jimmy were not playing. Yeah, air Billy guitar, all that other stuff. Yeah, they, they were not in a game that like anyway. And I just remember at that moment being like, "Oh man, I'm sick yeah. of stuff." Just being like, "Isn't this stupid?" And then winking at me. What was that they Charles Barkley game that came out not too long ago? Remember oh, that? Uh, Shut up and jam. It, yeah, that was. Wait, that. no, that was the first one. There's a second one. They made a sequel. It was yeah. It was like some kind of sequel, and then they just did all kinds of like goofy shit with it. I don't remember exactly. I remember just seeing the, um, the which call like the previews for it. And I was like the exact kind of feel you're describing. Where I was like, Ugh, I don't need this, you know. 
Sorry, little Mac, you were saying something? Never mind, little Mac is good. Oh, that's, no. cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, no, sorry, what were you saying? It's like, the Maritimes just fell into the ocean. Um, no, sorry, you were saying something? Uh, no, I don't think I was. I think yeah, no, I don't think it was. <laughs> okay, no, that's cool. Stay no, in the ocean. We I don't need you anymore. Uh, my last thing is getting sick of things being like, you know, isn't this stupid and winking at me? This is the point where it became like, it started seeming to me like, well, you're the one who came up with it. Yeah, Why didn't you yeah. come up with something that wasn't stupid? <laughs> if you had yeah. come up with a good idea, we could all just be enjoying it right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, security, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always like, uh, uh, oh, God, I, I hate what I wrote. I, everybody else is going to hate it, too, so let me just make a joke about how everybody's going to hate it, and then you just uh, move is, on. Is this- isn't this stupid? Unless you like it, I guess. Then it's... right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like it's like uh they're like tinderes, right? <laughs> you just kind of like put your fingers together and do that little symbol. <laughs> yeah. Do you like me? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I not like I wanted you to like my writing. <laughs> you you like what I wrote? You're an idiot. Um, yeah. You know, like how like Baca. Hustle and some of those other movies kind of walk that thin line. And like, what was that one where it was like Packer Man, where they go back in time and kill Hitler? It was Kung Fu something. Kung Fu Hustle? No, not Kung Fu Hustle. Um, uh, I can't remember. Kung Fu. Some... I've seen There's like this a dinosaur movie. cop. I have it was seen this very movie like yet. internet meme for a while. Um, uh, God, I can't okay. remember what it was. It's gonna come to me like as soon as the podcast ends. But... Is this live action or animation? Yeah, it's live action. It's live action. Yeah, mm. he like goes back in time to kill Hitler, but Hitler has like a mecha suit, and it, it was all over the place when it when it came out. But um, Kung Fury, Kung Fury, there you go, Kung Fury. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like the same idea, but like you know, at some point you're like, all right, like. I know this is goofy and silly, but you got to keep it in that goofy and silly and not make fun of me for thinking this is goofy and silly because yeah. you're the one who made it goofy and silly. And if I'm liking it, it. yeah, if I'm like, oh man, it, Hitler was played by Jorba Takone. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Cool. <laughs> um, it's a weird movie if you want to see a weird movie. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not citing that as an example. But I'm saying that's one where it's like, yeah, it's silly and it knows it's silly and it stays silly start to finish. And exactly. that works a lot better for me than yeah. some of these other movies that are like, yeah, it's silly. Don't you think it's silly? Oh, you think it's silly? All right, we think it's silly too. Ha <laughs> ha, this is dumb. And then, no, I, I, was, I was liking that it was silly. Go back. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Oh man, what moment in the Luke Cage Netflix series where... For some reason, he has to put on clothes from a thrift shop, and he oh, winds yeah. up in Power Man costume, and he yeah. looks awesome. And yeah. then he steps in front, and he sees his reflection, and he goes like, "Well, this is stupid." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate oh, when they do that. Like, kind of stuff. That yeah. like up until you said that, this was the moment where I was like, "Finally, something yeah. <laughs> like, some color." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know. I I, I agree. I, I don't think you can. I don't think it's fun to be made fun of for enjoying something that you're enjoying. That's that's a really weak writing thing to do. So, um, but yeah, this the other stuff that I was thinking that was coming out that really felt like it came out of nowhere. We talked about a couple shadow drops. Um, but uh, man, I was not. I don't want to get too much into it. I understand everybody's thoughts about it, but I was not expecting Hogwarts to. be like take over like it is i don't know why i didn't think it would i don't know why i ever would doubt that series 
but I cannot believe those sales and how many people are playing it and that kind of stuff. It's, it's like it, every gaming news article. Yeah, it feels like it sucks all the air out of every other game right now, and there's lots of good stuff out. Like this, this feels like a normal year's November in terms of what's coming mm-hmm. out, and yeah. we're all sitting there talking about the same game that I'm. I'm being 100% straight up. This is not any other reason. I think it looks boring as fuck. I I I know I'm not the Taro oh, I've never oh. been. Yeah. A big Harry Potter guy, but um, like I'm watching the streamers play, and it's like, oh, we got to wander through here, and it's another fetch quest, and it's another fetch quest. But the fetch quests are fun to them because they know this character, they know this person. But to me, it's like, holy shit, it's a whole game of fetch quests. <laughs> like, I just saw the thing. a clip of the combat and was just like, oh man, why is it like a third person shooter? Yeah, a, yeah like, like here's the thing. Dragon Age Two combat actually. Yeah, like you're that. spinning around to throw wand spells. Does that like make the the spell hit harder if you do a little you know half jump? Like it's except scary. they're shooting. Every the character's going incendio, 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 incendio. Oh man! See, someone who like grew up on Harry Potter. This is not the Harry Potter game I would want, even if J.K. Rowling weren't yeah. an awful human being. Um, like, it's I like you say. Oh, I, like these streamers are into it because they recognize these characters. I'm like, they do. Well, uh, yeah, this is that, that's, that's so thing. weird. Yeah. Like, this is like set in the 1800s. Why do I care about this prequel? Yeah. Like, why do I care about any of these people? Because I know where this is going to go eventually. Like, are they um, like the, the great, 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 great grandfather of like a Yeah, exactly. Like oh, that? he grows Yeah, you're like meeting yeah. all the ancestors. Like, and it's like, well, then it just cheapens <laughs> the world because it's like, oh, it's a small world and everyone's grandparents do each other. I'm like, why did they all bury each other? And like, yeah. Like, no wonder. Why did they bone down, man? You know what this reminds me of? WB specifically has made this kind of like their house their their ubi level of climbing towers to reveal shit in a way because this is exactly what they did with lord of the rings if you think back right they started making those rpgs that were like you play as not legolas not gimli and not aragorn as you go through <laughs> right, what was <laughs> that? Like, the third age is that what that yeah was? third age and then yeah. and then they started to kind of like do like the war in the north and then they, like mm-hmm. this feels exactly like they went to their own back hall and said what the hell do we do with that one thing we didn't really know what to make video games about oh yeah lord of the rings what do we do you know i wouldn't be surprised if they're like shit can we make a harry potter rts <laughs> you they, know they i play it. harry potter rts yeah. <laughs> it's it's like i feel exactly like what i felt like when um wb started with the lord of the rings license before they got to the kind of the shadows series right where it was just like you guys have no fucking clue what you're doing and you kind of succeed sometimes in spite of yourself like that one uh jrpg style one was actually really good um you know battle for middle earth kind of worked in a weird way even though it shouldn't um because it had really good mechanics built in there but um yeah i I don't know like i feel like that's exactly what they're taking their own playbook from and i just i got no interest in the fucking game i and it feels like i have to like care about it one way or another it's just like it's tough for me. I just like the game looks boring. Um, my kid was super into getting it, and like I was like, "Shit, we're gonna have a tough call and everything." And then I sat and watched a couple streams with him. I was ready, like, "Hey, man, we can't support," it. you know. But he's like, "This game looks boring." <laughs> it's like, that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, I was like, oh, "You're right." You don't <laughs> don't have to have the turf talk. Yeah, because he was like, you know, like watching like what some of his favorite streamers, and they're just playing it, and it's like 
the whole first part is you taking classes and running fetch quests for these professors and this Ugh. stuff, you know. And it is a lot of talking. I think even most RPG diehard kinds of like, wow, this is a lot of, you know, exposition. And um, seeing him just be like, nah, nah I'm going to go play some more Fortnite was kind of like such a relief in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, go crank those 90s. Don't worry about this game for now. All right. Um, another game that came out in February, it was actually shadow dropped a couple of days earlier, mm-hmm. was uh, the remaster of Metroid Prime. Uh, which apparently Nintendo had been holding on to for a while, so they could do that shadow drop uh, right there. Uh, people have been talking a lot about this. I don't know. I've never played it. Um, you never I think, played it I think they did this just so it would make the uh, reboot of Prime uh, go down a little bit easier with the fans. <laughs> I'm still holding on to that. <laughs> they're, not, they're not rebooting it a second time, <laughs> They're just slow. I've, I've you know what? Go ahead. If they're going to... They can keep delaying Metroid Prime as long as they want if the way they're going to make it up to us is to continually just be like, hey, look, yeah. we made an entirely new 2D Metroid. It's fantastic. Here, it's out now. Please enjoy. Here's a remaster of the first one. Prime 4 comes out of the Switch 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tv at that point yeah i i don't know i mean yeah it looks fun all those old metroids always feel fun to me um you know just kind of that that goofy glide around style of gameplay but um seeing that ui really did bring me back to like wow maybe things were that is a very busy ui um yeah yeah. it's like all intentionally so from what i understand but Like like levels of missile loading and like wow, this is a lot to, you know, kind of visually take in. Um, I was trying to think, like, what were TVs looking like when that released? They were still, this... like, four three TVs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Would that have stretched better, you think, and it just looks weird because they're messing with the aspect, or was that it just looks weird, period? I think it just looks weird. Uh, what do I It's know? a lot going on. That is a busy UI. So I was I, like, maybe this looked better on old TVs. But then I was kind of like talking myself out of it. I'm like, no, it would have looked worse, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I think mainly it was the environments that people latched on to more so than the UI, which is more of an immersion thing. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I never played the original Metroid Prime. I ordered it. Uh, but Amazon is dumb and they're not going to, or uh, the, the physical release date is supposed to be tomorrow as of this recording. Uh, but Amazon is not honoring my pre-order so Speaking they can go of, kick rocks. Um, physical... they, they, they pushed mine to like March 15th. Yeah. Same for wow. me. Yeah. 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 Oh. So I'm probably just going to like, like, you know, shake hands with the devil and, uh, yeah. go to. GameStop and pick it up and cancel this order. Uh, I shouldn't say shake hands with the devil. That actually means something here in Canada. Uh, let's not go down that road. A little back with what I'm talking about. Delay. I, I could understand oh, a no. week or two, but wow, that is... Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, this isn't the first... Sorry, it's a tangent here, but this isn't the first Amazon game that I've had this happen to. Um, that uh, Labyrinth of Refrain, the one that mm-hmm. came out on Switch a couple weeks ago, that got pushed back for me uh like two weeks i just i just got it like yesterday and, and you know uh, what's crazy i was gonna say speaking of physical releases i kind of dox myself a little bit um what's that company that does all the actual like weird physical releases for games these days it's kind of a limited run limited run Lim- they're like 15 miles from my house i had no clue 
and that you like you can go in there like it's like a store and you can go in there oh yeah kind of, I think that's so great. I'm, I'm going to go check that out and kind of report back. I'm really curious what they've got in the store because it sounds like there's like limited runs of limited runs if I want to go in there and check it out. So I might go yeah, check that out. It sounds like we should be able to do a live Project Sign <laughs> segment. That's what I'm getting from this. Because <laughs> they've been, this era has like been getting into like the techie side for a while now. And I, I think that was, that's a really cool thing to have around here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because you've got like you've got the universities, mm-hmm. so you have the talent pool. Yeah. You have Epic Games, yep. which is growing, and Epic so is it growing does... in a weird way too. They're not just growing Fortnite; they're growing their engine creation. I mean, they built yeah. a mall, they, or they bought a mall to basically make their corporate headquarters, and they're like teaching people to use Unreal in that mall all day. So, um, go Raleigh, I guess. But I really want to check that place out. But limited. Yeah. Um, physical releases i feel like like you're you're rolling such a dice these days with physical release because there seems to always be that one guy who gets the game two weeks before it comes out mm-hmm. and then everybody else who's like yeah this shit never showed up uh and you know i'm gonna <laughs> sail the seven seas now i have to play a game i already bought um which is weird I, I, I thought we were past that you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah I thought Amazon was had a little bit of a, a better distribution channel for the stuff. But glad to hear it's not just like a Canada exclusive problem. No. I mean, I'm not glad for you, Andy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're glad. You, we hope you never play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope you drown. Uh, no, um, at least uh, at least it's, it's uh, a little comforting to know that this is a widespread problem and not Amazon exacting some grudge on me for the time I returned something that they broke. Um, so um, so the other game I wanted to bring up was Wild Hearts. Um, this one was kind of surprising because I think people keep calling it an EA game. It is not an EA game. I think they're they're just publishing it, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Koei Tecmo developed it. Yeah. EA is publishing it. It looks really good, and I, I do not like Monster Hunter games. I know that's shocking, but... Um, this looked really fun to me. I was watching a bunch of people play it. It just there's something about it where it kind of feel it feels very monster. I'm not gonna lie, but there's just something about the goofiness of the combat, the feeling of like kind of that um, Dynasty Warriors feel where you're kind of chopping through stuff. And I like the building. I think it's smart to kind of include in there. But um, I don't well, know. I've been told it's a mashup of Monster Hunter and Death Stranding. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Ooh. Um, but it kind of came out of nowhere, at least for me. I wasn't thinking anything about it. And then, you know, EA is EA. But uh, I actually really was looking at getting this game, um, surprisingly. And I bounced off a of Monster Hunter harder than basically any game ever. So, yeah. What I've heard is that you should definitely wait for a patch because the performance currently on PC is not great and extremely CPU bottlenecked. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, but hmm. I. They probably will patch it probably a few months down the road. Who knows? Uh, which is a shame because this, from what I've heard, this is something really special. And if it weren't just a complete technical mess, it would be a genuine wow. contender for no. Game of the Year. Um, another game that came out recently that actually started last night. Um, I mentioned, I alluded to terrible dialogue earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a game called Atomic Heart. Yeah. Mm. I've got like uh, so, 30 minutes into it. So. <laughs> yeah, I got I just started combat. That's okay. where I ended up. Um, so this is 
kind of, I guess you'd call it Soviet Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's set in an alternate history where the Soviet Union developed uh, a polymer-based technology that enabled rapid technological advancement. But, of course, behind every rapid technological advancement, there's a dark side. And this game is kind of about delving into that dark side. Mm. Uh, When things go horribly awry and robots rebel. Uh, So far, all I've done is walk around and it's extremely pretty, but also kind of boring. And all the dialogue is awful. Yeah, the dialogue is is bad, bad. Like, not fun, bad, bad, bad. Um, Have you ever, like, played as a main character where you wish you could walk up to a mirror in game and just punch yourself? (laughs) Yeah, it was a game called Haze, and it was supposed to be a Halo killer. (laughs) Um, I don't know where this game goes. I've got no idea, but this is going to be really stupid because I feel like I'm the only person who played this game, but there was kind of a game, I want to say it was either set in Russia or like an alternate history Russia where you're kind of like flipping back and forth through time. Singularity. Singularity. And that was a really well-received game. Um, that, to me, is where this game maybe takes a few more clues than maybe even Bioshock. Um, but I don't know if that was a popular enough game to really ever claim that someone would use it for inspiration. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it so far, but it's got that level of, well, I don't know if these, in these more enlightened times, you might not say Eastern European jank, but that's what we used to call it back in the olden days. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got some of that Euro jank, for sure. Um, <laughs> you got it on there, and there's a thick layer. <laughs> You're like, Man. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, imagine you took Euro jank, but instead of fixing the jank, you just polished it to a diamond and, and, sheet. And then made it part of the mm-hmm. game. <laughs> yeah, so it looks gorgeous, and it runs well, but... It still feels weird to play. Yep. Yep. It's so hard. Like you, um, the movement is so weird. Right. You like start sprinting and then you immediately walk. I don't get it. It gives you. I think your main weapon is supposed to be that axe, unless I'm doing something wrong, right? A melee weapon. It's kind of you know how Bioshock. Most of the time, you're whacking people with a wrench, right? So I think they're kind of trying to do something with that. But the melee feels so weird. Like your power attack spins you around. But like it kind of animates it, it 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 doesn't look like you're hitting anything because it, it, it's like if imagine if you were a five year old and somebody said, "Hey, do a power attack with this axe," and you're like, just spun around with it. Um, that's what the attack feels like. <laughs> but you're doing this like for half the game so far. Um, really weird decision. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. I haven't actually fired a bullet yet. Oh, yeah, All I've done is smash robots with axe wrench club i don't even know what the hell it is i've just been smashing robots even when you go for the robots it never at least i don't know maybe you feel this but it never feels like i'm really connecting with them it feels like i'm getting close enough to them with my axe where it plays the explosion animation but i never feel like i'm like crunching into a robot with an axe like you should you know yeah i don't know i i don't feel that but i like I think that's something that's going to differ from player to player. Yeah, so I yeah. can definitely see where you're coming from. Um, like it's not it's not even unenjoyable. It just doesn't feel a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. Like everything feels like it's just kind of five percent wrong. Yep. yep. You know what I mean? And it just kind of accumulates where everything is ever so slightly off from 
the optimal best feeling version what's, of itself. What's kind of weird too is everybody's kind of like making fun of that trailer with the supernatural guy that came out, right? Um, it was goofy, but Benson Ackles. Yeah, yeah, I wish the game had that tone actually, though. I mean, that, that's what I like. As I was playing, I was like, I almost wish it was silly about how dumb some of this stuff was. Um, have you gotten to the part yet with like the lab animals and the lab? No, I've only gotten forty-five okay. minutes I'm not in. So, then. but like. I literally just, like, I have not fired a bullet okay. yet. I've just gone to the underground part where I've gone through a few rooms, seen a few cutscenes, and smashed a few robots. It's also a game, I feel like, that has some puzzles that doesn't need puzzles. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to die on this, though, because I know, I know people love fucking puzzles for some goddamn reason. But I I'm a puzzle guy. <laughs> I would probably, I'd probably, like, super dig the puzzle. Like, give me more of these crazy-ass, like, battery puzzles. A dialed the game should be that atmospheric <laughs> FPS that I just I don't know it takes me out of it where like all of a sudden I'm having to look at these little like weird glyphs and figure out you know what I mean? it I don't know it's yeah it feels like it should be more of an uncharted thing yeah, right yeah. like if I'm uncovering lost and buried treasure sure but if I'm trying to stop a robot rebellion maybe I don't want to be stopping to match the polarity yeah, on two different magnets exactly, yeah. I do like the I do like the uh, lockpick mini game that is a cool feeling have you done that yet. No, not okay. yet. Um, but I'll play more of it tonight. I'll see how I feel. I don't think I'm going to end up hating this yeah. game. I think I'm going to walk away with a... It's a 7 out of 10, I, I bet you. Yeah, 7 out of 10. Yeah. It was interesting. There are some interesting bits. There are some terrible bits. Some good bits. Uh, overall, not disappointed to have played it. I think that's where I'm going to end up. But yeah. it's entirely possible that eventually this game is just going to piss me off yeah. and then yeah. I'm going to dive off a cliff. Because I've had that before. Like Games that start off okay, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this. And then at some point, I'm just like, no, screw this game, go to hell. I just think that this was like basically my like my one new gameplay entry for the podcast, and it just like it just hit the bricks like you know an hour ago before the podcast started. So Yeah. Um, a couple of other games from February that I just wanted to mention. Uh, finally... Like a Dragon Ishin has reached Western Shores in remake form after its, I believe, 2013, 2014 original Japanese release was not localized. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you can go enjoy life in uh, 19th century Kyoto. Now, help me out here because I just got into the Yakuza. What, like, what was that? Like, when did it come to Game Pass? Like a year ago now? Two years ago? I don't know. It's the yeah, a couple years ago. Five years. Um, so I enjoyed it. Where is this in like yakuza is this is this canon is this alternate history is this a baseline for some of these characters or is this just its so, own thing totally okay so it's canon but to reality not to the canon of the game okay in the sense that it's a retelling of actual historical events mm -hmm. with some spice thrown in all right uh so these are actual historical figures but Think of it like a stage play where the characters from the Yak mainline Yakuza or like a dragon series are playing characters in historical oh, stage play. Okay, gotcha. So this is uh So that's why like Ryoma Washington. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way to They should make that game. happen. I would <laughs> I love Master Chief of George Washington. I would love him to take down a cherry tree with a needler. Cortana, I gotta chop down this tree. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm really interested in this one. The combat looks really good to me. I mean, I, I that was I think what I missed a lot with Yakuza was I never really gave 
take credit for the combat being as good as it is um, until I actually started to play it. But it's really enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, I want to try to check this one out. I like that kind of like swords, guns era um, in Japanese history. I think that's such a cool time period. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just installed it on my PS5. So once we're done here. Well, time's ticking, guys. I gotta. Gotta go beat up some pods. Do you guys think that this is a really busy January, February because of like pandemic-related delays from a year ago, or is this just a really weird dumping ground time where these games are actually good? Or what? What? I can't explain why all these games are coming out right now, and these are pretty good, you know. Uh, games uh, that normally would be holiday releases mm-hmm. types. I feel uh, like a lot of these should have come out like back in October, November. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for whatever reason, I just think there were delays. Maybe pandemic yeah. related. Maybe yep. um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about crunch culture. Maybe that is actually kind of finally getting into these executives' minds. Yeah, about, I would love like, it. That maybe we need to take take our time with these games. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, it's it's a very bizarre first quarter um because i've been doing new releases since what like 2018 and this is like the busiest january february i've ever had like typically i'm like all right i can relax in january (laughs) exactly but no like the last two weeks i think there were like 35 new games or something like that it was just it's just insane how many games are coming out and not just big ones there's a ton of small titles coming out and they all look cool too yep yeah like I've played a whole bunch of... In- I've finished three really good indie games this year. Uh, a Space for the Unbound, which is like this pixel art adventure game set in Indonesia in the 1990s. Really great. Currently my game of the year, but, you know, early... Uh, we're early on. played Back Firewall, which is like this dark comedy 3D first-person puzzler set inside someone's cell phone. Uh, I've played Birth, which is this weird macabre 2D point-and-click physics puzzler where you're like a lonely person in a big city and you're Frankenstein together uh, a friend from Organs and Bones. Yeah. Really messed up, but really cool. <laughs> and like, these are just like three indie games that I've played, but there's so many other indies that have come out. I mean, we mentioned, oh, I don't know if you'd call it Blah an indie game, but it's there. Uh, like there's Pizza Tower that people yeah, really love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there have been a whole bunch of others. So definitely go check out some indies. Yeah, weird, weird time though. I mean, like that, I... I... It was when we were going through this pod. I think you sent me this what about a week ago, right? The, the what we were going to be talking about. I was like, wow. I sent it to you yesterday. Yes, <laughs> 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 it was like I was reading it, and I'm like, I cannot believe there is this many games to talk about in February, right? <laughs> like, yeah, and it's and oh, February's yeah. not even done. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even reached the end of the list. Oh, well. Oh, we still have an entire like console to talk about that's dropping tomorrow. Uh, So before we actually get to Company of Heroes, let's just mention the PSVR two is coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't really care about VR personally, but it is a big deal for this to be dropping. Um, What is? I feel like I'm asking wrong. What is the difference between the VR one and VR two? Are there like? hardware differences is it a software yes. difference is it okay both yeah it's got both. it uh in fact the vr2 is not even backwards compatible with wow. the VR1, which is crazy oh, what? i don't know what the hell sony's thinking uh but what that's what the, they're doing what did the playstation vr lifespan look like two years kind of yeah i don't know <laughs> all right so you're gonna get three you're gonna get vr2 now 
It launched in 2016, so it's actually had a really, oh really, reasonably healthy life there. I which I, yeah. I would not have expected before I. I like, think with, that's why it's not backwards compatible. I don't think people remember that it I came out. Can only think of like two or three games period that came out for it. it was it? There's a Tetris like Beat game, Saber, and there's Beat Saber. What else? Did it There's have an big Iron releases? Man VR game? They made a, a big bundle when Iron Man VR came out. It was like July fourth of twenty nineteen or something like that. Man, I I whew. I'm just surprised. I thought I thought it won. I thought it was way newer, but I, I don't. I can't think of many system sellers that they really pushed it out with. And this one's big one is Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the fifth most popular Sony franchise. Yeah. <laughs> They're really putting all the weight behind this one. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean the you know the new Horizon also just came out, so mm-hmm. it's like, you know. Well, it wouldn't uh, be a Horizon release if they didn't shit on it in some way by making right, it yeah. compete with, you know, giant other huge releases. So yeah. I guess that's that's keeping with Horizon just in general. I, I bless you if you like uh, VR, but I learned my lesson. That stuff is is very tough for me to stick. I, I, yeah, I I would never own one, but I enjoy it whenever I try it out, but I, I wouldn't be able to play it for hours on end. I, I get about 30 minutes, and there's very few there's very few reasons for me. Like, I actually think, weirdly, that Tetris game might have been the perfect VR game for me, um, because that's about how long I want to play Tetris, and it's about how long I can stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, there's, there's people who play Tetris sorry. all day, but hey me. Yeah. I don't know. Andy, sorry, you're mentioning something? Oh, sorry. Pull it back. Go ahead. I don't know if the technology of VR is ever going to, at least while I'm alive, get to a point that lives up to what I would have pictured it being when I was a kid mm-hmm. that would make it worth playing for me. I you know, think like, the thing about like growing up and thinking I think about VR is it's hard for me. I never really pictured like the weight, the heat. The eye, you know what I mean? Like the the physical parts of being in VR for me are just it's just tough. I I can't can't do it. Um, and you know maybe I could have when I was younger if I got used to it. But that's the part that stops me about VR really, the the physical part of it. But that's part of the whole experience. You can't really do much about that. Yeah, and like, when I think about it, it's like, uh, like, okay, if I could put on a helmet and now I'm in an Orlando. <laughs> walk around. That's really cool. But you can't actually walk around. You'll bump into the wall. <laughs> you also get sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like there are there are strong constraints here on the degree to which you can actually be in this world. Uh yeah. By strapping a thing onto your face. So what what I like about VR, and this isn't PSVR related, I, I don't know if they'll get this game, but um uh, Valve put out Half Life Alex. What was that? A couple years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a friend of mine has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine, he has a whole VR set up, like a whole room dedicated to VR, and so it's, there's a lot of space to play. So maybe that I think that's what you need. But when yeah. I put on the the headset and played Half Life Alex, um, I was a, you know, I was very like, oh, VR is not stupid, but I was like, it's not going to do anything for me. It's not going to I'm not going to have any reaction to it. It's probably going to make me feel sick. It's it's a gimmick. And I put that headset on it. And like you said, you you wanted to feel like you were in a world. Like I put it on and I was, I'm in this fucking world. Like it was there. It was almost like being at like uh, Disneyland. 
where you're just kind of in this kind of like, you know, everything around you is fake, but it looks so real and it feels real. Like, uh, that's just how it felt. Like I was, I'm in, I'm in this dilapidated city. There's a, a whole room full of garbage and junk and I can pick all of it up. And I'm like, this is just like I'm, it felt like I was in any room, like a real room in, in real life. And, and the way Alex works is you can, you can walk and it'll track your movement or you can push the thumbstick and you'll move. But the best part of it for me and my motion sickness is you can actually kind of like plot a point a few feet ahead of you and you'll just kind of teleport to that spot. And it, yeah. it feels like, like I, it almost sounds like it would be more disorienting, but it wasn't. It, it it kind of helped my brain realize, okay, you're not actually here. So you're just kind of like moving from set piece to set piece. Mm. And uh, I never felt anything more real in a video game than I had playing um, Alex. So if, well, if that ever made it to PSVR 2, I would be ecstatic, but I don't think it will. Um, but yeah, I, I would say don't give up on VR until you've played something like, like Alex, because it just it feels so... Uh, it just feels so, <laughs> felt so real, and and it was so, so immersive. Maybe I need to seek that out. Maybe I gotta give it a shot. Do you think is maybe like the goal of PSVR specifically though? Do you think do you think it's always gonna be like, hey, here's this game you know and love, and it's a little like side quest from it, or it's a little taste of it, or or is it are they gonna really develop games just for it? Because I, I think don't that's know. I, that's it what depends I on how well um. Uh, what is this New Horizon one called? Shadow of the Mountain or whatever it's yeah. called. Call of the, the Mountain. Mountain. I think it depends on how well that does and, and what that game even is. You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of video about what you actually do in the game. I don't know if it's just a kind of collection of kind of VR mini games in the Horizon world or if it's an actual well, fleshed out game. It's mostly a climbing game okay. mixed with some, I guess you call it first person shooter segments mm-hmm. with a bow and arrow, I believe. Wait, how if that flops? or it doesn't sell well, or it's not well received, that's a very, in, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, that's not a Horizon experience to me, right, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. I, I wonder, like, if you want to... It's a climbing experience in the franchise where you famously can't climb. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that was an Assassin's Creed experience, right? Like, yeah. maybe. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know, like... I always feel like everybody kind of dips toes into VR except for one right. company, and that's Meta. <laughs> like, I feel like everybody else is like, yeah, maybe someone will come along and make this work, which is exactly what Microsoft did with Connect, right? Maybe someone will come and find out a cool gimmick for this or a cool – but you know when this works is when Nintendo is like, we'll figure this out. We'll make this look. <laughs> we will be the ones I mean... who do this, not wait for some third party to come along and be like, this justifies a purchase of a VR headset. They kind of tried with Labo, and it was not great. No, uh, Aggle work. You know, <laughs> like it's weird stuff. Like I don't that. think they ever did. I just well, think it was a gimmick that people was. Yeah, I mean, fair that, enough. That was the greatest video game selling point for Waggle in history. But yeah, did it not work for Mad World or all those other little weird games? No. Oh, um, Mad World was so good. <laughs> it didn't need waggle. Oh, but it, oh, the waggle! No, when you're when you're like you know, like grabbing a dude and breaking his neck, and you actually have to like, waggle. Uh, yeah, no, that was good. That let's not. Was, 
Fair enough, yeah. How about this? How about this? The Marvel Ultimate Alliance game, when they ported it to Wii and they just shoehorned in, like, instead of pressing X to do your ability, you can yeah. try to do the <laughs> waggle that's shaped like a J. I'm sure lots of people were doing using that instead of pressing X. I don't yeah. want to feel like I'm conducting an orchestra when I'm trying to slice someone's head off. Mm-hmm. Artistic, that's very Dexter, right? But yeah, I guess that's my thing. Like, I think PlayStation's got to put up or shut up if they're going to keep selling VRs. And I mean, I think if you're, if a alternate experience in Horizon is your big this is what's going to get people buying, I don't know if that's going to cut the mustard. You know? Well, here's the thing that for me, a VR game, if you want me to play a video game, give me a video game, yeah. right? Like like Resident Evil Looks. Village, you're going to be able to play that in VR, and that's yeah. great because that's a real video game that I can experience. All these other VR games, for lack of a better term, are just mini games, in my yep. opinion. You know, it, they're, they're fun little like, oh, I can shoot uh, a gun, but my hands look like, you know, Iron Man's, and I'm shooting Salami. stuff out of it. It's like, that's cool for five minutes, but... Like with Half Life Alex, I can play this for, you know, hours. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why they've kind of famously been careful about calling a lot of those VR releases like experiences. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, or like stuff like that. They've always kind of used these little buzzy weasel words to basically be like, yeah, this isn't a really a video game. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can kind of pretend to be Iron Man if you do this, but, you know, it's not an Iron Man game. No one's going to call it that, right? So, right. um, it's like a museum piece, all yeah, of a exactly. Point. Yeah, it's like you're, you're looking at a picture of an Iron Man game. It's but... like that that Radiohead experience that they put out a couple years ago. Oh, do you yeah. guys remember that? Yeah, yeah free, Kid Amnesia, like, or whatever. To pay for it or whatever. Yeah, it was free. Yeah, um, I believe that actually was in VR as well. Like I played it, the non-VR version of it, but I believe you could play it in VR. Um, I'll have to look that up. You know, I just I don't know. I feel like if we're talking about it as a console, and you've announced. You know, if it's launching with one game, how many consoles have you guys ever seen that launch with one game? You know? The Switch. <laughs> yeah. Although there are something uh, like, like 20 games coming out for it at yeah. launch, though. But a lot of them are ports. So. I mean, VR, I don't know. I'm, I've, I would love to be wrong about VR, but I have, I've been hurt too many times. I, I remember, like, I must have been, like, seven or eight, and they had, like, a VR thing at the mall, and it was, like kind of like strap into like a massage table it was wild you know <laughs> yeah it's like like that that was always the thing for me i mean i want to be walking on treadmills i want to be hanging you know with wires from the ceiling and there's some there's some streamers who do all that with vr and they make it look awesome and you know but then like it's hard to translate to what they're seeing and feeling to just watching a screen mm-hmm. and i've yeah. I've been to PAX four or five times now, and they've always had VR things, and it's just always kind of like, it's always left me a little dry. Even the PlayStation ones, um, because, you know, kind of famously, I think I told you, like, th- they had to do, like, the comeback at two, because there's a big line, and then you come back at two, and they tell you to come back at four, and, like, you never really actually play the game, because they just keep bumping you in line for journalists, but... Um, I never really, even when I played at those types of, in best case scenarios where you're playing and everything's perfect and all that, like, it's always felt like it's just a lot. It's a lot to maintain. It's a lot to do. It's a lot to, you know, um, and I, I don't know. I would love to be wrong about VR, but at this point, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on to talking about a few more games, I did want to mention and clarify about the Switch. It did not come out with just one game. It also came out with the very fondly remembered 1-2 Switch and Super Bomberman <laughs> R. 
Um, All the hits that people talk about. (laughs) Exactly. I am probably the one person who fondly remembers one two switch. Uh, (laughs) We found him! (laughs) Guys, we found him, finally! We found the one guy! Basket for Miyamoto. (laughs) That immediate aftermath of the release of the switch, I think I must probably like. Closer to 10 than to 5 parties that I managed to get together and convince people to split off into like two teams of eight and like make it a whole big thing. And oh, you got like the entirety of PEI to come. <laughs> and had a, had a ton of fun like that. Yeah, we're all going to pile into Dave's house in Charlottetown. Place <laughs> <laughs> like a one, two, switch. But yeah, I, I like, yeah, if you could only get like even like four people together, I don't think it would. I don't think that was that was a party game in the very literal sense. So like everyone's got to be there. It's got to be raging. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, and, and I don't mean this as an insult. I feel like that's the kind of game that's better with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm saying this is a teetotaler. I don't know why I'm encouraging people right? to drink. <laughs> yeah, but I I do feel like these like. I know, like, it's easy to make fun of these kind of party experiences, but they do have an audience. Yeah, no. And if they're well-made, yeah, why not? Go out and play 1-2-Switch. Kappa, I interrupted you earlier. We started talking about Company of Heroes 3, which I think you're excited for. Oh, yeah. Well, I I don't want to play as Nazis, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) It's always awkward when talking about this game. It's like, yeah, I really can't wait to see what they do with the German-African campaign. (laughs) It's like, no, like... That is always awkward when it comes to this. And I think they've, they're trying to find kind of some type of workaround to it. I, you know, I, like especially with games that I know I'm going to buy, I kind of go into like a little bit of a blackout mode. So I've been seeing some people on the uh, on the avocado kind of talking about it and like, hey, here's how it's going to be handled. And I think that's smart because you don't want to play as Nazis in, in video games ever. But you know, it's also hard if you're going to play an RTS set in World War II to just be like, here's the Allies and also the Allies and also the Allies. It's you know. Especially because, you know, Germany had kind of cool shit and people want to play with the cool shit that the Germans had in World War II. Um, but that doesn't translate well in gameplay where it's like Nazis overpowered, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to see a, a victory screen where like the yeah, Nazi flag is flying. Gun birds. Birds. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Company of Heroes to me, you know, this is a studio that I feel like has learned so many lessons from so many games at so many different t- parts of time. And it's like, can they ever put it all together in one game? Right. Um, you know, they, it's like a two step, fo- two step forward, two step back all the time with them with, you know, between like Dawn of War two and Dawn of War three, people love Dawn of War two, right? Dawn of War three, one of the most hated games of all times. I think company of heroes, one beloved game, Company of Heroes 2, why did you put all this weird microtransaction shit in here? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of that going on here. I think 3 has to be their effort to really kind of open people back up to, like, hey, this is what you can do with an RTS that doesn't, you know, it doesn't money grab and also, um, you know, doesn't really kind of make you play what you don't want to play, which is Nazis all the time. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I'm excited for any RTS is going to get me to buy it. You know, like not even like, you know, will I buy this? It's like it's a day one purchase. The only thing I always have to do now is wait and see if it shows up on Game Pass for some reason. Cause I've been lucky on that Game Pass for RTSs. Um, It'll be on console later this year. 
Oh, will it? All right, yeah. Go. Time to wait. <laughs> oh, be perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoy the style of Company Heroes um, battle management, if that makes sense. Like where your resources are not just you know how fast can you create SCVs or whatever to mine this to do this. It's about holding and taking territory and being a little bit you know out there with your armies and pushing areas that you might not normally push if you were playing a you know holding your base type rts so I, I like i like company of heroes the way the games are designed but it is always awkward to be like well shit i gotta play as the nazis so hopefully if they can kind of make that problem go away <laughs> uh, i can like this yeah maybe we'll more, be but um and you know i gotta talk about lightfall this is it it's the big one uh darkness is here the traveler almost left us but Nobody cares about Destiny. <laughs> Trust me, everybody in Destiny is losing their mind over this expansion. This is... I've heard it's very hotly anticipated. It is. Yeah. The lore has finally catched up, caught up with the story. And that that is an exciting point for any video game series to get to. Is if you've been telling me about the big bad for this long. And here they are. And they are not playing around. And they have every power that they said they were going to have. Um, this is... It's going to be a good one. Destiny's got a lot of proper nouns and a proper, you know, and stuff like that going on. And I know it's not for everyone, but um, it's a really cool story about basically, you know, we talk about darkness and light as good and evil, but it's not. It's, you know, death and life are a cycle. It's a rebirth. And we've been kind of picking one side this whole time and the other side shows up. and It's like, hey, why'd you pick this side? It's kind of weird. You know, I can give you more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. I think it's it's a cool spot, and I want to see where they go with it. God, I haven't played Destiny two in like five years. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten a big old uh, face change. Honestly, it's it's almost a different mm -hmm. game. You know, so one of the things is they had to basically sunset a lot of stuff, and that caused a lot of you know pain points in the community. But truthfully, it's like the game got too big, if that makes sense, and they more or less had to say, hey, you know, we've got to we've got to trim this game down. Um, yeah. and you, you lost kind of that, that vanilla, um, destiny feel and those missions and stuff, but they replace it with, you know, a new season every year, basically. So you're, it's a expanding, growing game, but like a lot of MMOs, I don't know how many MMOs you play, but you know, even when you make a new character, you're like, shit, I don't want to go back to the barons. And you know, it's like, <laughs> you kind of outgrow some of those areas. Yeah. And I think destiny had outgrown the red war campaign. Um, in a lot of ways so I don't like to make excuses for them taking away parts of the game that people paid for but I think at some point if you're playing if you're an, doing an ongoing type game you've got to admit that parts of the game become less and less relevant as time right. goes on I guess they just do they have kind of like an onboarding treadmill for new players no, it sucks it the best way if you want to get into destiny find a friend I honestly I mean I, as someone who loves it plays it keeps up with it, everything it is a very tough game it throws a lot at you and not all of it is important anymore because of you know just the nature of a live game you know if somebody was to say look yeah. hey you know, I want to get into destiny I want to play it for the story I want to be able to do some of the content what should I do and you know, a good friend would say, look, I'm going to help you. I'm going to put you on this treadmill for, you know, the next couple of weeks. And we're going to go do these three, four things and get you what you need so that you can kind of really experience the story. But I mean, there are the story in destiny at this point is like, it is insane. There are, uh, you know, negative ionized beings that are controlled and represent certain planets. And they, the planets are 
trying to help us in our fight against the darkness. And there's the winnower, which is a type of anti-gardener. And the gardener grows and the winnower weeds, but it both allows for life. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know what any of this Metaphorical means. shit that you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> so, but here's the thing. This has always been the case with Destiny because people are like, oh, there's no story. There's no story. They separate the story from the game in a really big way because 90% of people want to jump in and just shoot shit in the face, right? And yeah. they know it. So if you're not into the lore, the lore isn't going to be in your face. It's there if you want to look at it or look into it. But you almost got to go to, like, YouTube channels and these little – they call themselves lore hobbits, you know? And it's the type of people who are like, this is why this thing happened. This is why it's important, you know? And, you know, they'll get into, you know – how important is it that we're a paracausal entity that exists outside of time? Oh, it's very important. Here's why, you know, but the average person doesn't give a shit. It's like, whatever. I died in my ghost probably back. Good enough. I'm ready to go shoot some more stuff. Um, so if it's there and you're interested in it, it's there. But I think it's a lot like Elden Ring and Souls lore. I bet you a lot of Souls people are mad at that. I said Destiny lore is like Souls lore because they love that shit. <laughs> but it's kind of the same, right? Like I can play Elden Ring and just hit shit with a sword, right? And I don't care why the haunted swamp has a witch from a million years ago it doesn't matter right i just want and it, it's kind of the same thing in destiny if you want the lore it's there if you don't hey whatever yeah it's not going to change what you shoot shit in the face with but life all, i'm fucking stoked you have no idea <laughs> i can sense that <laughs> actually really sure. have. the lore part to me i love it I can't, I can't wait to see what happens and like the way they've been playing up this is like it's extremely like we've been promised something from two different sides and we've been tricked by the side that we thought was the side of good and it fucking like when shit came down it looked like it was gonna leave the traveler took off like in our time of need it was like cool good luck and it's done that before and one of the enemies we fight all the time the fallen had this event called the whirlwind where the traveler was under attack by the darkness and it was like peace see you later good luck and left them and abandoned them to the darkness. Right. And it was going to do that again, but for some reason it stopped. And, um, that's kind of where the lore is this, this point at this point in the season, why the travelers stay and what did it see that made it want to stop and fight the darkness rather than fail. Like it has on every other civilization that's come between it and the darkness before. So real nerd shit. <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of thing that I'd be invested in if I had like kind of gotten into Destiny yeah, I, on the ground floor. It's, it's like an um, MMO. Like, what keeps you in an MMO, right? Is it crafting? You like hanging out with your guild? Do you want to do the highest end content? Like, what keeps you in an MMO is always kind of a personal choice, right? So, yeah, having yeah. that be the story is actually a really cool option for an FPS, I think, because I don't think many FPSs have you. Maybe outside. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I don't know how many FPSs, I'll put it that way, keep you staying from story to story. Like, are people really that invested in Doom Eternal's story? I, I don't know. But Probably not. <laughs> uh, I think of Destiny's more of something like Genshin Impact, where people do follow that story over quite a while. Uh, I've kind of dropped off Genshin now. I haven't fired oh, yeah. it up in months, but that was kind of the same I, I was playing Weeaboo Destiny. <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling it Weeaboo Destiny. It's from China, not Japan, but you know what I mean. Um, 
a couple of other games I wanted to mention that are coming out uh, in a few days. One is Octopath Traveler 2, which has been receiving a lot of great reviews across the board, sequel to the popular Octopath Traveler 1. Uh, and this other game that I thought would have been getting a lot more coverage, but no one's really talking about it, called Scars Above, which is a third-person shooter uh, being published by Prime Matter, which I believe is one of Embracer Group's many, like, 30, 50, 80 divisions. Uh, it looks aggressively okay, but I thought it would be getting a lot more press, and it's not, which is confusing, because it's coming out in a week. Hmm. Ah, no, um, I mean, like... Uh... Did you know that there was a new Settlers game that came out two days ago? I did, and I the only reason I know is because I read a news story about how no one was how about like Ubisoft sent it out to die essentially. They, they just shoved it out the door. New game releases. What's that? I also talked about it in new game. Did release. you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just another plug. I, that, I can't yeah. believe like Settlers was a. Am I wrong or was I just naive? I thought Settlers was a big series. Like, maybe not like, you know, a system seller, top-line Assassin's Creed type thing, but, I mean, that's a very, very specific genre that I think Settlers has owned for a long time now, right? It's weird to me that Ubisoft owns all these strategy franchises, like Settlers, like... Which yeah. Anno was the other one I was thinking of, and they just don't... They keep making these games, but have no respect for them whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, the Heroes of Might and Magic series, did you know they own that? They just yeah, shit out I four that. or five of them that no one fucking talks about. I, and then you got to hear about them losing money all the time. It's like, you guys got these franchises that if you just put the fucking effort in there, the fans exist, you know? And having to tell people that, that hey, you like Sellers? Yeah, it was a real cool series. A new one just came out. <laughs> like, what the fuck, right? Like- you know how I know that French tax law is different from American tax law? <laughs> Why is that? Um, it's that if they would have pulled a Batgirl oh, yeah, with this it. game, if uh, French tax law allowed for it. Like, that's that's what I'm guessing, because you, know you don't put it out with no advertising really, if you expect to make any returns on it. If you run the Uplay launcher, it kind of tells you about new games and stuff, right? So, like, they've always got, like, a section where it's just like, hey, here's just all the game news for all the different games, right? The number one thing about Settlers wasn't like, you know, like, hey, here's the cool factions, here's the lore. What it was was, hey, these are the things you can buy in the cash shop. Oh. Oh. So, that to me is like we are gonna squeeze this thing for whatever the the dumb ten people who actually knew this came out and bought it. We're gonna try to get them to buy this cosmetic. Um, Sweet, we'll make five dollars yeah, in microtransactions. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's how, they, that's how they kind of like for everybody else who just goes through that UPlay launch. They're like, I didn't know this game came out, and the only thing they're talking about is a cash shop. You know, that's <laughs> so really weird. Like, I getting shades of that real money auction house. Ever Diablo three. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's just surprising to me. I mean, like, God, Ubisoft is going to be such a weird co- company to dissect how they failed when you've got so many good properties and so many, like, you know, game-changing things that you came up with, and then it's like you ran yourself out by doing the same thing too many times, maybe? I, I don't even know. I don't even know what people don't like about Ubisoft sometimes. You know, you, you made too good of an Assassin's Creed. It's too good and too long, maybe? But... I mean, life can be a problem. Like, I don't want to be sitting... I want to roll credits at some point. I don't want to be sitting there yeah, for, like, sure. 800 hours. But, yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I enjoyed all four million hours I played of Valhalla, which is weird, right? Because it's like, uh, you know, it's what's that old joke? It's like uh, such, you know, the soup's bad in such big portions. That's what I feel like a lot of people are like with Ubisoft games. It's like, oh, I love what I small portions, yeah, but just yeah. flip it. Like it's like, oh, it's, it's good, but such big portions. <laughs> like, usually, like, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know. I I really think I thought people would have liked Far Cry Six more. I mean, Giancarlo Zito and I thought people would have liked. Valhalla more, but it's not even the best Viking game that came out in the past two years. It's really weird. I think it's just a certain point. There's just like genre fatigue, yeah. right? Like you play one of these every other year, you, you kind of get the gist of what's going on. Uh, even if they do add these cool new things every time, yeah. and like Ubisoft has had development like some very oh, high profile and, development troubles. And, like Beyond Good and Evil still who knows where Beyond Good and Evil Two is. Uh Skulls and Bones still not I, out. I, I like Skull and Bones, I think the biggest news about that was it came out and people didn't even want to play the open beta. They had trouble getting people to sign up to stress test and play the open beta. That's fucking crazy. Right? Like, that's, that's bad. It goes hand in hand with, you know, also they've been really shitty. Uh, you know, they've got lots of problems as a studio and, you know, everyone does. Sure. But I think there's was maybe a little more than some people were willing to take. And they did a little bit more in terms of hiding it that I think left people feeling this is a little more scummy than your average studio right now. Um, Where I think that has an effect. And I do think it should have more an effect on consumers than it does have. But again, I'm part of the problem. I just talked about, you know, playing Mario Rabbids. Um, but what it does have an effect on is workers, like, if they don't like the working conditions there, they will go elsewhere. Because if you've got talent, you've got a portfolio, you are going to look for jobs at other studios where the culture is a little more in line with what you're looking for. It's more inclusive. Yeah, it's a very concrete example of, like, you know, Diversity is our strength. It's something that they tell us every training, right? And like, it's true though when you look at a lot of these studios that drive everybody out. And it's like, yeah, they don't have the people who are going to do anything cool anymore because they've just hired everybody who agrees with them and likes them and says yes to them. That's what happens when you just basically force everybody else out, right? So yeah, and then when you add it's when you add uh, on top of that discrimination, yeah. if you add harassment and mistreatment, a lot of good people are not going to stay there for very long. And that might be the root of some of their problems that at a lot of the studios, they have a negative culture, Mm -hmm. which is pushing good people out, which is causing um, games to end up in dev hell. When you get that, when you like push that expertise out, because the problem with human, or since the problem, one of the things about human resources is that when people leave, they take institutional knowledge with them. And it's really hard to rebuild that. I I don't know I don't, I don't oh my god I don't know but I guess we'll talk about them probably in a little bit <laughs> more than once I did want to bring up one thing about Octopath Traveler did anybody else play Octopath okay that seems like an Andy game <laughs> I couldn't is that an Andy game <laughs> it's okay um I the thing about Octopath that I that I thought was its big problem was they tout this whole big huge cast of eight characters right. Mm-hmm. But as you play through the game, none of their stories like um, matter to yeah, each other. You never, right? so you like, never really get the band together. It kind of feels like yeah. you're, 
kind of feels like you're playing the Avengers, but you never get, you never assemble, right? <laughs> right. It's like it's like it's like it's like if the Avengers were there, you know. And yeah. here's here's Iron Man's story, and Thor and Captain America are there, but they have literally nothing to do with the story. They're just standing there. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. As they as they others talk about it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and other characters that aren't the Avengers are talking to Iron Man. And you're like, about the people the around him. Before, talk to Iron Man. So. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, traveler. It's okay. It's just really long, and I, I, I bounced off it. So. See, I, I loved Bravely Default, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know why it seems like they gave up on that a little early to me, and they're sticking with. Are there any more Bravely Defaults that they've announced? I mean, they made Bravely Second. They made Bravely Default too. I don't know if you played those or enjoyed those, um, but I will say what I've read in the reviews of Octopath Traveler 2 is that they've addressed that criticism oh, okay, head cool. on. That makes me feel a lot better. Um, so now the stories do actually intertwine. So I was oh, going to say, that was one uh, of the gigantic strengths of Bravely, the series, was it was like, you build a team and then you play with that team forever. And you play with that team over and over and over again into you know, 10 million boss fights. But it like you kind of like, man, like you develop a a feeling of like an actual team rather than being like, you know, this is just a, a guy I found in the in the forest who wants somebody to help him kill his dad or something. If I could take the opportunity dad. to put in a good word for Live Alive, which is a oh yeah, classic JRPG that was just recently remade in the HD 2D style like Octopath Traveler. I just finished playing the remake last Saturday, and. Uh, you could almost call it Heptapath Traveler because <laughs> the the opening gimmick is here's seven different characters, but they're they're not just all on their own little journey. They're all from seven different time periods throughout the world. That's cool. That, and that's they all have their own little mini RPGs. Uh, and then without saying too much, I'll just say that after starting very atomized, seven completely unrelated stories, when you've beaten them all, then the game begins to converge on a plot that, that brings it all together. It's it's really cool. And that's really neat. Yeah, I've, I've, I still have a couple more characters to beat their stories um, before the big you know climax. So I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I love that game. I loved Life Alive a, a lot. I love the original. Just playing it on an emulator with a translation patch um, mm-hmm. years ago. Never finished it. Made it to the to the I don't know why I never finished it. Now that I finished it, I know that it was very, very close to the end. But to go back, as a, like the remake is very reverent. Like they they took their time to to get things right to the degree that even like uh, some of my, some of my Twitch audience was explaining to me things I didn't I would never have got where the voice actors that they picked for the Japanese voices like. There's, there are ways in which it, if you know their other famous roles, you see ha- you, you, and you understand like which Japanese like creator was the one who they hired to come up with this particular character. That's really and if, cool. and if you know all that, then you're like, oh, they chose this actor in order to like underscore this. Uh, it's, it's just really, really, really well done as a remake and the original game is also very cool. I didn't know I had voice acting. Yeah. America and, uh, and Japanese. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's good cool. voice acting too. I might have to check this out. I mean, I've been interested in it. I just have not had time to. I am never going to play a Final Wait, wait, no, 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 no. I have played several Final Fantasy games because I have played the Kingdom Hearts oh, series. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I love trolling people with that. Like, yeah, yeah, I've, pl- I've messed around with Cloud and Squall. I- I've met them before. I know who Tifa is. I love, I love telling people that. Uh, oh, uh, I just want to apologize to our game. viewers at home. I understand if you uh, have just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> Scare off a remaining three listeners. <laughs> oh, hold on! I can, uh, I'll alienate anybody left by saying that, Merv, uh, you've never met any of the Estonians. Please, you haven't met any of the important Final Fantasy characters, like Edgar and Terra and Simon. The, the Kingdom Hearts only have those the, the later ones, the terrible ones. Yeah. No, no, they're not terrible. There's not. Who's it? Not terrible. Like Cloud and Sephiroth, and like basically they have Cloud, they have Sephiroth. Yuffie's there too. Yeah, Yuffie seems cool. They have the PlayStation ones, but they're uh, really okay, so none of the, There's no Locker, Edgar, or Terra, or any of exactly. Those. I'm really just standing up for Final Fantasy VI. Here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Yo, they got a patch in Prompto <laughs> to one of these games. <laughs> yeah. Like, put Prompto in Kingdom Hearts Four. I, I want to play as Prompto. <laughs> I was promised that, that I could was, play that as Prompto. Was a campaign, actually. <laughs> yeah. Play as Prompto. <laughs> when do I get to play as Prompto? for that. <laughs> I just want to point out. Streets marketing, marching. <laughs> Sorry, I do. I just, I just wanted to point out. I was looking at the agenda now. Uh, this section was supposed to take us twenty minutes. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, Oops. <laughs> I was I was going to bring this up at the next segment transition, but I can't. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. Let's talk about franchises. <laughs> it's almost it's almost one in the morning here. And Seven a.m. is coming at me like a train. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about franchises because we kind of already started that anyway. about as we discussed in the intro some franchises that we would like to see new installments from and not only do we want to see new installments we have ideas about what these new installments should look like for maximum satisfaction i was gonna say maximum commercial success <laughs> no, but none my, of us know what actually sells <laughs> terrible ideas <laughs> like, these are probably franchise ruining ideas if i'm being honest but i don't care this is what i want to see it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with like the tsundere dialogue yeah. like oh you don't have to you don't have to take my ideas oh my ideas are Unless so bad don't take them <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, unfortunately, Little Mac will not be able to join us for this segment. He had to go back to uh, his home oh. lobster. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry? <laughs> he had to go punch people with his Yeah, sword. Doc called for him. He needs to go for his uh, nightly run. Yeah, to the bike. <laughs> Alright. Like, you're out here making punch yeah, out yeah. jokes, and I'm out here making like maritime jokes. <laughs> um, that's okay. I, I For once, there's like Canadian-American parody on the podcast, <laughs> and now I'm outnumbered again. I'm getting bullied so hard. Yeah. Uh, but that's alright. Boy. <laughs> USA motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, um, I was one of you for a, a brief period of What's time. What's an American? But... Always American. Right? Yeah, I was never a citizen, but I had a whole <laughs> bunch of visas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if you if you let a student be a citizen. Um, but uh, all that aside, there is a franchise that I think needs to come back it's been dormant for a while they did like a they did a re-release of one of the games but otherwise the last game in this franchise appeared on the wii u and that was donkey kong tropical freeze um donkey kong needs a new game i don't know how it is not ever even discussed at all these nintendo things like you know like there'll be like the avocado thread people like i hope we hear about i hope like i never I don't think there's a game, one Nintendo game I spent more time playing than Donkey Kong Country. I'm just being honest. Like, the sheer amount of time I got every golden statue, I spelled Donkey Kong every way you could. I played that game so much, and it is like, it's insane to me that it is never brought up as like, hey, what, you think they're making another one of these? Because what is it that you think made it a success, if you had to guess? Donkey Kong yeah. Country or Tropical Freeze? Country country um having not played very much of it i think what people really glommed onto was a it was gorgeous like what they managed to achieve on the snes with those graphics like graphically it still kind of holds up today like i showed the game to my sister uh who uh, doesn't play a lot of video games um and she thought it was like a late 90s Yeah, mm-hmm. and this thing came out in like the first Donkey Kong Country came out in what ninety three. Mm-hmm. It was know what year it came it out. It was a, I don't know if it was a launch out, but it was very early in that lifespan. Yeah, so I, I, I was still like in middle school when that came out. Ninety four. It's got that collectible, that collected all feel, mixed in with enough of a story, and then just these very. Like these stages that you can't wait to see what's next, right? Is it one of those little crazy barrel ones? Is it one? Is it a minecart? Um, you know, and then it always feels like there's a secret around every corner, and that felt so good in the days before the internet and stuff, where it would be like you go in the barrel the wrong way and shoot straight down, and you end up in a land full of golden whatevers, you know. Um, and they definitely preserve that spirit both yeah. in Returns and in Tropical exactly. Freeze. Um, so, like, part of me wants that 2D ex- uh, platforming experience, but that is not what I'm going to suggest oh. for the next entry in the Donkey Kong franchise. Mm. Uh, what I am going to suggest is a team-up. So, Cranky Kong was a mean old man. He was also a mean young man. 
when he kidnapped Pauline. Uh, but Pauline went on to great success while Cranky Kong became a bitter old man. Pauline became the mayor of New Donk City. Mm, okay. And Cranky Kong's grandson became the new Donkey Kong. Now, Pauline remembers she didn't like being kidnapped. <laughs> but New Donk City and the... Is it Coconut Island where Donkey Kong lives? I forget what it's called. The island where Donkey Kong lives and New Donk City are both under threat. From King Krauser. K. Rule? Uh, Bao Rule. I don't know. Krauser? Someone. I love it. Someone's, someone's uh, evil. Like K. Rule evil dude. Again from Company like of Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Bao Rule sounds a lot like yeah. Bowels. Um, uh, so it's under threat. And they got to team up. Pauline's a little skeptical because uh, she did not like being kidnapped, but I think it could, I think they could team up for like a good 3D platformer. But it wouldn't be rare style collectathon. It would be more like taking the spirit of the 2D platformers of Donkey Kong, like almost Crash Bandicoot style mm, 3D. Okay, mm. that's what I'm envisioning. The camera and, everything? and yeah, so you do control the camera, but the levels are linear. Okay. So not like these big explore-a-thons like they had for DK64. And I happen to like DK64. I know I'm weird, but that's not what I want here. I want that same 2D, that same spirit of the Donkey Kong Country games, but just translated to 3D. And the character switching instead of between Donkey and Diddy and Dixie is now going to be between Donkey and Pauline. We're going to have these vastly different movesets. And I think you could also do like a co-op version of this where... One of you plays a Pauline, one of you plays a Donkey Kong. Mm. Okay. Mm. I thought you were going to go like an RTS. I thought we were going to like have to like pick one of the three factions and fight for <laughs> ruling of Donk City. <laughs> that would yeah. be great. Like you got the monkey yeah. faction, you got the new dog faction, you got the mushroom like kingdom faction. Spearman and <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I I totally want this I, now. I, I'd be like Empire of Sin, but. With Donkey Kong. I, I, Sorry, I just go love ahead. anything with Donkey Kong. He's my, like, secret secret success of all of Nintendo. It, it's just, I, I I don't know why there's never a clamor for more Donkey Kong. I don't get it. I always feel like, is it because Donkey Kong was so tied to Rare, you think? I Maybe. think, I mean, Retro did great work mm-hmm. with it, but everyone knows that Retro's busy with Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> and can <laughs> another studio... Absolutely not busy. <laughs> It's happening. So, allegedly. like, uh, allegedly, yeah, they're doing Metroid Prime 4. So, I guess people want it, but they also don't want another studio. They don't think another studio yeah. can do the same kind of work that Retro did. I could see that. I, maybe that's it, but I mean, like, no disrespect to Retro, yeah. who did do a great job with Tropical Freeze, but other studios. I think are capable of making a game. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I would love if they started to tie Donkey Kong more into the larger Nintendo universe. I don't think he needs to exist mm-hmm. on an island. Um, he has been there since the beginning. You know, <laughs> are you talking about the literal island or no, metaphorical? Well, you know, island both? Get him <laughs> okay. Off, what is it? Coconut Island. Get him to Donk City. Is it? Is it Coconut island? island? What is this island called? Okay, I gotta look up. What is the DK Island called? Donkey Kong Island. Conga uh, Island or something like that? No, it's just called Donkey Kong Island. Oh, so it's called... He's the hero. 
But yeah, you know, there's no reason that. That's so dumb. He doesn't need to be. You know what's weird is I kind of think like maybe he's kind of taking on this like aura of a bad guy because I I don't know why, but I always get the feeling that that's what they do with him in Mario Kart, which is really like the only thing he even shows up at anymore. Yeah. He kind of just looks like a jerk. Like he's a big jerk for some reason. Like even in the new uh, Mario movie, it looks like he's going to be some kind of an antagonist in that. But he's he's not. He's he's reformed. He, he just wants to be left alone on his He's island. not his grandfather. Yeah, exactly. He learned <laughs> from his sins. He's game, not the one who kidnapped princesses. Yeah, the, the, maybe the new game exactly. is like, uh, it's like a um, uh, which we call it? Life is Strange type thing where Donkey Kong just like I am not cranky. <laughs> Stop cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I I yeah. think it's gonna be about Pauline learning to trust <laughs> Donkey Kong because she still has those negative associations. Like this guy is a spitting image of. His grandfather is a young man, yeah. right? So Pauline's going to be all like, oh, I remember someone who looked exactly like you kidnapped me. And Donkey Kong's going to be like, but I am not my grandfather. I am valiant and I will uh, cooperate with you. And Pauline's going to be like, but no, I cannot cooperate with you. you know? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, message of hope and cooperation. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's all about defeating those lizard yeah, turtles. The bad guys. I, mean, I think we can all say that, right? Like- <laughs> Lizard turtle, gross. <laughs> I only like things that are human or look like humans. Yeah. Thank you. Here. Yeah, only only simians uh, in this house. Right. Freaking lizards, go to hell. Um, uh, Capra, right. what franchise do you want to so, not improve, but like put a new entry? This one is something that I feel like if I, as soon as I say it, it's always been rumored to be there. It just never showed up. But I want my fucking StarCraft MMO. I don't know mm. why it doesn't exist. I don't. I, I'm tired of the excuses. I don't care that Activision is a hellhole. <laughs> I don't know how this hasn't happened. Just being honest with you, but I love MMOs, right? And start to finish, there's never really been like the type of space MMO that is based on a story that I feel like, I mean, KOTOR, I think, but that's Star Wars. That's, that's its own thing. Right. But you mean just tour, like the old Republic yeah. KOTOR or Sorry, not KOTOR, Tor. Yeah. The, the old Republic, yeah. but I, yeah. I don't know why it's been such a, there's been, you know, sci-fi MMOs. They've tried it. Most have kind of failed. I don't think very many stuck around even long for the genre, even, um, I think it was a Matrix online at some point, even. So I mean, there's been names yeah. tied. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a Star Trek one. And there's Honkai Star Rail later this year, but I don't think that's uh, going to be the kind of smash success Genshin so, was. But the thing is, I want I want an MMO that treats space as fucking scary, right? I'm not, it's not mm-hmm. a setting. Like, you go in space, shit can happen. Um, and I like the idea of instead of like going zone to zone like you would in WoW, I want to travel the universe. I want to go to Tarsonis and some of these other places and fight Zerg and deal with Primal Zerg. And there's so much good story in StarCraft that just sits there because they don't know how to introduce anything other than an RTS map. And I, I think that's a credit to the game in a weird way because it, it, RTS is ha- having good, you know, strong stories is good. I just don't know why an MMO just never seemed to be something that worked out for StarCraft, um, especially in-house with Blizzard, where, you know, it seems like WoW has been printing money for, what, 20 years now? And, um, yeah. yeah, and it's, it, it's I don't know why we've never even gotten, like, a serious, 
you know, look at a StarCraft MMO. Now, there's been rumors of them trying to make other MMOs, and I think that ended up being Titan, which ended up being Overwatch. So I don't think that had any real ties to StarCraft, if I'm being honest, you know? Um, but I like I like the characters of Raynor. I like the universe of StarCraft, where the Terrans are kind of like uh, backwoods hillbillies, but <laughs> or like uh, or like Roman Republic era uh, villains, and that's it. That's all you get. You don't really have like any other you know threads of humanity other than those two. I don't know why, but that cracks me the fuck up in a space game. Um, and I, I really just wish that you know games that spend a long time and develop cool lore. I wish they give it a chance to do something in other genres other than just sit there and just like you know I, I've said for a long time I think where WoW has its problems is that it doesn't have a Warcraft 4 to basically push the reset button after 20 years of WoW has just absolutely decimated that story right where Starcraft has the opposite problem it's only been the RTS games and they've never really bothered to expand on anything else past there um, and when you've got a cool universe and you know what you're doing and it's and you can basically just get the guys from across the cubicle to do it for you i don't know i don't know how it's net like i feel like it was talked about for a while and then it's been 15 years since i've ever even heard anybody say starcraft mmo but i want a damn starcraft MMO. so um, how, how would the combat work in that for you yeah. like would it be yeah, there's WoW style, or yeah. would it be more RTS focused? I, I probably would go with like almost like an RTS style where you're building and managing resources for combat, if that makes sense. Like hmm. um, a lot of MMOs will do this thing where like you build up combo points or you build up things like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So uh, that's what I would kind of I would I would lean on the strong parts of uh you know where it's like, hey, if you do this, you can basically you know it affords you this ability or things like that, but you're building up the resources, you're building up the combos. Um, combo style MMO play is, I think, probably the strongest. The problem is a lot of times it's stuck behind shitty MMOs that are just grind fest, like Black Desert Online or, um, you know, a lot of those like Aeon, some of like the more Korean MMOs where they have a, a combo and a, an attack system, but the game itself is, is just generic grind how, how long you can type game so i would take played, that uh, go ahead sorry have you played final fantasy 14 yeah 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 so i mean I, like I, I like the way combat goes there it's almost like a dance where yeah. like you have to i play with a controller so it's like I, my fingers are constantly moving like like l1x or yep. two uh, you know a and then i'm just like having to keep my combo going to get the most damage and and it's like a rhythm with my hands and i think that works very good for stuff like zerg that are probably going to be you know they're going to be like melee attackers are going to be you know stuff like that and then i you know you're going to have the different factions that are going to act in different ways right the mm -hmm. terrans are kind of just they're going to be your straight range dps type with guns and stuff yeah. your zergs are going to be your frontline melee guys and then I think Protoss, I think you can do kind of a mix with it, but I think where they would be, they would be that hybrid. They can stance swap, you know, like in Final Fantasy fourteen, right? So, you know, one second they're one, but they're 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 jack of all trades. But, yeah, I, you know, you've got, you've got so many characters and heroes and worlds and lands, and it's all just sitting there, you know? <laughs> Will we ever get StarCraft 3? I don't know. But it seems like whenever you talk about StarCraft, it's like, well, the esports scene in Korea and blah blah blah. I'm like, nah, it doesn't. You don't have to tie it to that. The whole game isn't based around an esports scene in Korea anymore. You know, uh, you can do more with it. But I don't know. That's maybe like if Microsoft has a little bit more vision of something they can do with StarCraft that Blizzard is just sitting on because it's not gonna. It's gonna be hard to make, I guess. But 
I've always wanted it. Yeah. I've, I've never. It feels like it dropped off everybody's radar, but I would love, 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 love a StarCraft MMO. When you were describing like building up combos with resources or like even characters with resources, I was my mind went to like Command and Conquer yeah, Renegade. Yeah, you, you could do it like that too, right? Like you develop enough, you get enough vests being farmed up in an area, and you pop down a firebat suit. And now your combat moves reflect that you're a firebat instead of a you know a marine or whatever. You could do that, right? And then you're not stuck. Yeah. You're not stuck to the classic MMO class <laughs> that I think every MMO right now is trying to get away from. Classes feel very old in a lot of ways. Like even in FF14, what is your class, right? It's what weapon you use, right? So if I farm up enough weapon yeah. in an area, then I want to be a firebat. Sure, it should be. It should let me, you know. And maybe it has like some kind of upkeep where if I, you know, the longer I'm a fire bat, it's draining my Vespine because shooting that flame is, takes a lot of Vespine and eventually I'm not a fire bat anymore. I'm back to a Marine. I've got to farm up, you know, being a, a fire bat or maybe I become a ghost or a Marauder. There's so many options with what you can do. And then you. It's almost like a temporary job system. Yeah. And then the job system would, would base your combat, you know, and if you're going to go do, you know, hard content or a raid. Hey, go put in the work beforehand. I want you to show up, and I want you to be a marauder for the whole raid or whatever. And sure, you know, it's stuff like that where yeah. hardcore people would do that work for it because they do it already. And wow, they don't realize it, but they do, you know. So, I don't know. Final Fantasy fourteen, I think, would be a good basis for combat, though, for sure. All right, um, Andy, what franchise do you want to pop a new entry? Into? Oh man. Okay, so uh, I think the last new game in this franchise came out uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, um, on the GameCube, On the right? GameCube, yeah. Uh, this is uh, F-Zero. I want a new F-Zero game. And uh, I don't want to get too crazy with it. Like, I'm not going to turn it into a, a 3D platformer or whatever where Captain Falcon is, you know, yes. Space <laughs> the Galaxy, which would be kind of, kind of cool. Uh, like, <laughs> subtle, subtle dig on Star Fox right there, right? Yeah, Star Fox uh, Dinosaur Adventures, but with Captain Falcon instead. No, what I, what I want to do, I still want to keep it in the racing realm, but I want it... Um, okay, so when I first thought about this, I was like, I want Gran Turismo F-Zero, where you, like, take an old, janky-ass, you know, rocket sled, and you build it up, and you... You, you gain all these licenses and, and, and go to these different cups and race around and to get the better cars, right? So that's like, right, what if right, there was like yeah. a story mode, okay? What if you find the old uh, Captain Falcon's old, you know, racer, and he, but he still is there, and he's older now, and he's gruff, and he's helping you, the new younger racer, kind of uh, get better, and he's helping you bankroll... Uh, your way into the F-Zero Grand Prix. and But in the story mode, you've got to race other drivers. You know, race them for parts. You race them for pink slips. It's oh, like, well, what, if right. I, what if I want F-Zero Midnight Club instead? Yeah. Right? Like, like if you, I don't know if you played Midnight Club yeah. on the PS2. That's kind of what it was. It was Grand Theft Auto, but you're just in a car racing people in different places. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm saying you need to stay confined to your, your rocket sled. Uh, you know, in the story mode, but you—that's th what this is, right? It's 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 car culture, but with Rep Zero racers. And I there's, love that. With kind of like that, hey, like swapping out parts as yeah, you yeah, kind of like exactly. that cyberpunk aesthetic, where like you're like popping through, and it's like I'm modding my synchron mm -hmm. drive with a uh, yeah, that would, that would be cool. Yeah, taking your uh, 
the rocket ship to a ripper yeah. dock. <laughs> My, yeah. These things need to run on spider like they can't explain why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, get, yeah, like you said, get crazy with it. Yeah. If you want to put spider legs on there, like they, they should have that. Yeah, it, you can it race can on almost... an ice planet and it makes sense or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you know, depending on the temperature of of you know the planet outside, like like so if you're on an ice planet, maybe you want to have something that uh, keeps your your car a little more insulated. And maybe you add in a little bit more like like rocket power on the back, and it can like maybe melt some of the ice to help you move faster through these tracks. I think it'd be really cool to just really get real gear heady with your different rocket sleds. I agree. And, yeah, I take think them to that would places. be. I'm down for I, this. I, you know, and opposite of uh, Donkey Kong, I feel like F Zero is a game that every direct people are like. Hopefully, this is the you know what I mean. And it never seems to be, though, right? Yeah, I don't know what their aversion is to it. I, I think um, I read something a few years ago. They had asked some Western companies to kind of give them ideas for an F-Zero. Like, for whatever reason, Japan, they don't want to make this racing game, but maybe Westerners will. And I guess they got a few, and they were like, eh, we'll pass. And then somebody put out one, I think it was almost even a Switch um, launch title. There's like a racing game that was almost F-Zero-like that came out from the Switch. It was a digital-only game. I don't know if that was the one specifically, the company that showed it to yeah, Nintendo. It wouldn't have been a launch title, but might have been close to it. Yeah, yeah. but the, there's, yeah, there were there were talks, and then it just never, it never happened. Yeah, it is a hard franchise to get right, especially because I think Nintendo is afraid of it cannibalizing Mario Kart. Yeah. I I really enjoy F Zero for what it was. I really think they could reboot it in some way. And I think you gotta be creative with it. I think you gotta separate what made F Zero it's kinda of like what made Pilot Wings fun, right? When you almost sit down and write Pilot Wings what you did in that game, it sounds boring as shit, right? And like F Zero sounds like every racing game ever, but it, it didn't feel like that, right? Like when yeah. you played it, it felt like it's whole a whole different world of stuff. You know, you're bumping mm-hmm. into each other, you're different tracks, you're floating around. It, it's never felt like any other racing game, even though on paper, that's what it was. Right. Um, yeah. And just like Starcraft, it's got a lot of lore buried. Yeah. In it. And if you made a whole story mode with the F zero lore, like all the gangs that are in there and the corporate corporations that are controlling everything, it's very, you know, cyberpunk inspired. Yeah, every gang has its own loyalty. Yeah. You know, you could you could do a lot with that. Yeah, each game you racing loyalty yeah. missions. Yeah, because you know what racing is all about, right? It's about the family. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, Cabo, uh, you had another one you wanted to add to. I, this is just my thing. This would be my dream if basically um, payday. I know it's getting a sequel, but this is a reimagining, right? I want Payday to kind of go the Fortnite route, right? But instead of going around and getting different, like, characters to go heist with, I want it to become, like, the heist simulator. I would love it if all that Payday was from, like, here on out was to replay, like, famous video game, movie, music, video, I don't know. I don't care. Heist, right? So, like, I want I want a heat, heat heist in Payday. I want it to be, like... Almost like a like a platform rather than a game, if that makes sense. 
um, where you built Excel so it's said, kind like... of like free form right so you say okay you know I wanted this is what I want this heist to be I want it to be a sneaky heist where we're stealing the crown jewels in the 1800s and here's what you can use here's the mission here's the weapons all that kind of stuff and then the game kind of spits it out for you so like um, I don't know how to describe it. like like it's like a template and then the heist itself is what you basically playing around but the game is really just a service for heisting. And I kind of got this idea from playing Hitman, right? Hitman has yeah. kind of become just like, hey, it doesn't matter. Go kill people, right? Like, um, It's a platform. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they started like allowing the community to make missions. And it's like, hey, you know, this is the mission. Go kill this guy with a banana, whatever, right? And I was thinking, how cool would it be to kind of take that same idea but build it around heist instead of killing people? Um, because heists are some of the funnest shit ever and putting together a crew and making sure that, you know, your weapons and the stuff that you bring and the, the way that you do it makes sense. And are you going loud? Are you going quiet? All that shit, I think, could be so well done, kind of like how Hitman did assassinations. I would love to see a game approach heist like that um, a little bit different because, you know, there's definitely heist in Payday. And when you do them, it's like it's based on movies and stuff like that. But there's no real sense to why you do things or what you do it. It's just basically whatever you've unlocked, that's the thing you bring. And you've got to coordinate with people and stuff like that. But I would rather it just be like so much more freeform than that, where you're the one creating the heist, you're setting the parameters, you're doing it the way you want to do it. I think that would be so fucking cool. Um, I love heist shit. I just always have. And Payday feels like a heist game up to a point where it all goes to shit every single time, right? There, I think I've done... I probably put... 50 hours into payday 2 i think i've done a fully silent mission like once and it's because that's how the game is kind of designed it's not fun to do it it's, right yeah it's basically left for dead right. with bank right yes yeah. so i would much rather them take that and instead just go all the way in on the heist thing and just say look you know here th- this like you know and the hitman the new newer hitman you can say if, if you get spotted it's over you fail i want that i want the it to be a heist heist you know um things like that but more of like more of payday delivering on the idea of just this is a game where you steal shit for fun um i think would be real cool make an indiana jones mission make a you know stuff like that and then make it about avoiding traps instead of getting spotted and having to kill 100 cops because you're right it does turn into left for dead at some point and it's always been what's annoyed me about the series because that's such a simplistic way to handle failing a heist is to just throw a bunch of cops at the people right but it gives yeah. it gameplay <laughs> so you know it works right but i would love for them to kind of rethink about how that series works and make it basically like a heist platform and then you're the one specifically designing the challenges and the missions and then setting the standards for what the missions do and then really leaning into that idea of what um hitman provided which is there's other fun ways to play this rather than sneaking around being quiet and we want the player to play the way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things that I could like that I would add to this. I'm almost imagining creating like the developers would obviously put out a set of heists, um, and then there'd be more via DLC or whatever. Oh yeah, but they, they, I'm imagining something like I imagine something almost like Halo Forge. Sure. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a perfect for like creating your own heists. Yeah, you make the stage, or you work one of their pre-designed stages, and you know, you make a. These are the characters. These are the things. This is your goal. This is where I place this item. This is what happens if you get spotted. I mean, you could really like get all into building that. You know, um, 
And yeah. whereas, like, when I would play, I don't know, it could have changed a lot because God knows the, there's been 10 million DLCs in that game. But, you know, it was basically, okay, here's a bank. Go rob it. Oh, you failed robbing it. Here come 5,000 cops, an endless wave of cops until you either die or you shoot your way out. And that is kind of fun, but it's also not really a heist. Does that make sense? And now I'm just it's, playing an FPS. It's limiting. I think there's scope yeah. for that, but I also think you should have some missions where you don't kill 5,000 yeah. cops. <laughs> that, that's strong um, words. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so that would be my, my other one. I mean, I, I like the idea of, pay, of Payday, but then I load it up, and it's just like, okay, the, I'm going to do everything right, but someone's going to hear the drill, and then I'm just shooting cops for another you know 20 minutes until we get out with like $10 worth of loot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, the other thing I was thinking you could add to this is not just like heists that reference old movies or other um, or other like fictionalized from books or what have you. I'm thinking even just like really random Fortnite esque yeah, cross, yeah. uh, crossovers. So think about like, I don't know, a portal themed heist where you have to go rescue the companion or cube or something like that. You could like do that. historical heists. Like you could do uh, Guy Fox. You know, you know, like yeah. how crazy would that be? Like you're actually going to go do, I mean, I think some English people wouldn't like that, but <laughs> kind of like, like, Hey, can you pull it off? Uh, maybe, you know, and you're walking around with gunpowder barrels, who knows? But, um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's heist, heist are so much potential from every standpoint. And then they never really materialize in video games. I try to think of like, what do you think is the most successful heist mission or anything in a game? Because even the Grand Theft Auto ones feel pretty tame, right? Like, they're very... They are not Yeah, they're not. And then, like... Um, I, I mean, I'm saying this is someone who's not a Grand Theft Auto Five fan, but... like They feel like just a mission. I don't know. Like, you, you make this pick if you want this guy, and you get this money. But, yeah, they don't feel fun. Um, they feel very... I mean, not fun is the wrong... Okay, all right about this. It's not so much that they're not fun. It's that I don't feel like I'm really do it's the same problem as payday but with payday i know going in that i'm not getting a real heist like, yeah i yeah, know yeah. going in all right this is this is me just going to shoot some security guards whereas um when like i only ever i didn't get far enough in grand theft auto 5 to do more than a couple of heists um i felt like i knew intellectually that something was going to go awry because it was the kind of game it was and that kind of cut the tension of whether or not I would succeed in pulling off the heist. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, it's not a heist if you're already knowing it's going to go wrong. Then it's just an FPS with a quiet part of a stage, right? Like, it's a yeah. it's, it's got a sneaky opener, and then you're just playing a shooter. But I want I want that heist experience. I don't know why. You know, I mean, it is the heist game, right? Um, except for what was that other one? That was... I mean, the the subtitle of the first one was literally the heist. Yeah, lean into that. It, make it so it's not a sh- I mean, I, I get it that the difficulty is in doing it perfectly and quiet and silently and all that stuff. And that might be fun for the 1% of people who can pull that off. But, you know, no, I don't know. I, I want it to, to feel more like a heist game. I think if you put more into the hands of the community like Hitman did, Hitman feels like more of an assassin game, honestly, since the community has been able to do a lot of that. So, I don't know. I, I think that's a really strong, yeah. uh, you know, pattern to take over. And just make it the community assassin or the heist game, so the community assassination game. Community assassination. <laughs> every every <laughs> pitch in, kill somebody. 
Oh yeah, that, that's the perch. <laughs> um, one franchise that I think, I mean, it's not a franchise yet exactly, um, or it's a multimedia franchise, but doesn't have more than one game yet, uh, that I think could uh, use some tweaking is Scarlet Nexus. I don't know, have any of you played I've it? I've not played uh, it, but I watched a streamer play it start to finish, and um, it looks amazing. I'll, I'll tell you that. Oh, it's super yeah. sick to like actually play. I mean, the story just kind of goes off the rails at the, the end. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it gets, it gets, like, let me put it this way. It starts off anime in a cliche way, then gets anime in a really good way. Like, it just goes completely for broke, and then just drops the ball at the end. And I'm like, uh, it could have been a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the bonkers middle <laughs> portion. Sorry, Andy mentioned something about this game? Uh, no, I think I was just uh, saying, huh. <laughs> huh. I don't know if okay. screenshots or anything. It is, it is beautiful it's it is like it does that thing where the anime is in the foreground and then the background is kind of like stylized realistic almost but it looks great in in, like as you're playing it it doesn't look good in screenshots sometimes but it it looks great on screen yeah it's got like that mixture of um like flat shaded characters and foregrounds and props uh but the backgrounds are a little more 3d Mm -hmm. um and a little more textured so you get this kind of mi- it's you get this mixture of of anime with more traditional 3D graphics, uh, but where a lot of games don't know how to combine those two things properly, uh, the compositing of the shots in Scarlet Nexus um, makes that seem a lot more deliberate, um, especially because the monsters themselves are a little bit less anime than the and they don't cell shade the shit out of everything. I think which helps a lot too. Like, I don't know if it's yeah. cell shit. I don't know the actual term, but when you put that big, thick black line over everything to be like, here is the character, um, they don't do that. Yeah. It's that, it's that, it's like that mixture where they don't go like fully hardcore yeah. on the tune shading. It's not like, say, Hi Fi Rush, where everything yep. is tune shaded. Um, here, it's a mixture of that flat shading and that 3D shading. And it actually is one of the few games I've played where it doesn't look aesthetically confused after doing that. Um, so yeah, it looks really great, um, but it did have some. The first game did have some issues, like plot-wise. Which you know what, make the second the plot of the second game equally stupid. I don't care. Um, but gameplay-wise, the one thing it did that was a little bit strange uh, was it instead of it had two separate campaigns that overlapped quite a bit. And to get the entire story, you had to play both campaigns. But you didn't unlock anything at the end after completing both campaigns. So it was just like, I played the game once and I played it a second time. Um, Which, no, not the greatest. Uh, Feels like I've wasted my time having done that. So what I propose to do for the sequel... Keep the dual protagonists. You keep the dual perspectives. But this time, you're kind of alternating between them. Almost like Yakuza 0. So you're like flipping back and forth between Majima and Kiryu, but if Majima and Kiryu were anime teenagers, or more accurately, anime 80-year-olds taking hormones to keep them looking like teenagers until the hormones they take make them (laughs) die, because that is in the lore of this game. It's 
it's tough to pull off the multiple protagonist thing sometimes too, though, right? I mean, games that oh, absolutely. I, I think about like Grand Theft Auto Five, which we were just talking about. You know, sometimes it can be really tough to do that. But I really like the idea of this because this time you are basically playing the other half of a brain link, right? That's that's the main idea behind this, right? Yeah. So the way it work, the the idea is that you can brain link with other members of your squad but it's only until towards the end of the game where you can brain link with the other protagonist but you're not actually playing as the other protagonist you're just playing as one half of that brain link um so i think it would be cool to like play these characters separately and then towards the end like switch back and forth between the brain link like in Mm, combat you can be like hey i'm playing as uh, i mean the the main characters are named Duito and uh, Kasane. So, like, hey, I'm playing as Kasane, but with a flip of the switch, I'm now playing as Yuito. That Yuito. would be awesome, especially and... if you were going to do kind of, like, combat, like, say, like, Devil May Cry or Bayonetta. You know what I mean? So, like, you're yeah. setting up a combo with one character, and then you're activating, and you're triggering it with another character. That would be so cool. What I think, where I think it would be really cool is when you're fighting, like, gigantic bosses, bosses that are so big that they like fill the whole screen. So let's say I'm Yuito and I'm fighting on the ground uh, and I see that the AI has controlled Kasane to be like up in the middle of the air doing some crazy aerial combo. With a flick of the button, the camera pans over to Kasane and now I'm controlling her and now I'm like in the middle of that aerial combo and then I'm manually completing That would be, yeah. And that's probably like impossible yeah. to pull off from like a, a tech perspective. Well, they- but... If they can pull it off, it'd be kind of well. I'm trying to think about how Final Fantasy 15 did it. It wasn't well done. I hated the combat in that game, but I think maybe if you look at maybe something like that. But I I like your idea of if you're doing like a Shadow of Colossus style huge boss fight. You know, you got one character working at its legs, one up in the air getting it in the face, and you know another stabbing it around. You're like your swarm of bees attacking some giant. I think that would be really cool. Exactly. Um, oh, the other big twist that I would add to a potential Scarlet Nexus sequel, uh, we're going no, to the moon. The moon it. is a big part of the plot in the first game uh, because a large part of civilization went to live on the moon. Like, If I remember the lore correctly, and I probably don't, um, humanity fled Earth and then had to go live on the moon and then uh, sent parts of humanity back down to Earth and then moon people and the earth people got mad at each other and kind of like severed the link and that's why the sky is all filled with yellow sulfurous clouds and uh the moon and the earth can no longer communicate with each other uh we're going to the moon i love it i I never don't want a game to take me to the moon i've never been mad about going to the moon i'll put it that way (laughs) ducktail started it and then ever since then take me to the moon baby and the way like the way this would like play into the gameplay is the moon has different gravity than the earth. So now you're going to be doing like devil may cry combat, but like in not zero G in like one sixth G, if you will. Um, And I think that would be really dope. That sounds cool. Maybe they can fight the transformers that are on the moon or the transformers or no, what's the, what's, what's on the moon fall. Um, It's like the wizard. (laughs) I, I I don't know if I, you guys watched Moonfall, but oh, what a turd that was! I saw the ending of it. I <laughs> don't know what Moonfall is. 
Wait, what is Moonfall? Uh, it's uh, what's his name? Roland Emmerich, right? Yeah. Um, it's. Oh yeah, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> so the moon's not a moon. <laughs> you see, it's a evil alien egg that hatches and then destroys the Earth. It is bonkers. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the moon's like heading towards the Earth, like it's gonna collide with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they find out that inside of the Earth is a rogue AI. Um, and th- the moon was created to contain the rogue AI, and it's been basically creating nano machines. And oh, it's yeah. Well, it really loses the plot there. <laughs> it's got a cool idea. Then it. Uh... See, you're saying all of this, and this is like a third as bonkers as the plot <laughs> of Scarlet yeah. Nexus. Yeah, it's like up there. Yeah, maybe combine it. Maybe this could be a, a tie-in. You know. The Moonfall game we always wanted. <laughs> Scarlet Nexus, X-Moonfall. Scarlet Nexus colon Moonfall. I would so be down for that. We're going to the moon. We're gonna we're hatch going the, to moon. the moon, and then we're fucking fighting it. <laughs> that's the that's the, the, the attack and dethrone the moon. <laughs> that's like like on the box art at the bottom. We're going to the moon, and then we're fighting it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Any game where you get to blow up yeah. the moon is aces in my books. Yeah, there's so many good uh, movies that end up with, like, dumb plots like that, and then they end up being fun. What's the other one where, like, there's Nazis on the moon or something? That was... I mean, there are Nazis on the moon in Yeah, Wolfenstein. that's true. I wonder if they stole that. You do go to the moon. Uh, and there are also Nazis on Venus in the sequel. Um, <laughs> by, by Wolfenstein in the sequel, I mean the New Order and New Colossus. Um, I think I tapped out a new order. What's the one where you start out with this, like this giant stealth mission? Uh, that's the old yeah, blood. No, thanks. No, don't you don't put my stealth in Wolfenstein. That's you screwed up. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that level. Yeah. That, that was wrong. that was the that was the first level, right? Or maybe the second? It's right that's at the very early beginning. Yeah, I, it was really boring, and I got very yeah. upset because everyone was like, "This game's so great." And, and like, it has like uh, it's like a no like you spotted and you fail like you just yeah. go back. I hate that. Like, mm-hmm. why? What part of Wolfenstein made you go? Oh yeah, stealthing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. So uh, it's okay. It got worse. Ruined after all the these franchises. Though, let's be honest. Just, do not do these ideas. <laughs> 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 but maybe. <laughs> maybe. It's not like I want you to use my ideas. <laughs> a StarCraft MMO would probably be like ble- uh, bankrupt Blizzard. Or maybe. <laughs> That's going to be the, the... I don't know what you're talking about. Scarlet Nexus Moonfall is a gold money printing machine. <laughs> you're going to have to... And they're going to make an anime. You, they made an anime for the first also, one. They're going to make an anime for the second one. When you one. release it, you put a copy of of Moonfall in every single game. <laughs> it's like, 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 hey, we know you didn't see this movie. <laughs> no, screw the video game. We're making a Moonfall anime yeah. now. <laughs> it's going to be directed by like Roland Emmerich. He's going to go to Japan. It's going to be dope. Um, no, it'll be done by Hideki Yano. Oh, that would be... And then at the end, they're all going to get, like, suicidally depressed. <laughs> That's the moon. That's the roster. Get in the moon, Shinji. Um, anyway. I've never seen Evangelion. I've just absorbed it entirely through the memes. You gotta, you gotta stuff, have some kind of, yeah, like... You gotta really... 
space you gotta religion. be in a mindset for it you gotta have a space religion to be mad about you know like right like every time like i don't i've never seen an anime or played a jrpg where they don't where they introduce religion and it's like yeah they're not so bad like every single time it's just like the right. space like pope was behind thing. the evil moon <laughs> i think tales of zysteria might be the only jrpg i've played where the religious force is a force for good and stays yeah, it's pretty rare good. that's for sure the entire time uh yeah, yeah for sure it is rare um tales of Styria is not a great game but eh, i think it's a little <laughs> bit better than its reputation would suggest um speaking of the next tales of game should not should not go to the moon. okay to the exact opposite get off of the moon <laughs> tales of arise we are not going to outer space Tales should never go to outer space. What were you thinking, Bandai Namco? Um, I'm not making this up. Tales of Arise, you go to like a freaking space station. It's like, wh- why are you putting this in my fantasy RPG? Wasn't Come on. that like very like hard medieval fantasy too at some point? The Tales series? Oh yeah. Like, Zysteria is basically the like Zysteria, that's the one Japan's idea of European yeah. medieval fantasy. Yeah, it's like knights and shit. Um, yeah. Arise gets a little bit away from huh, that. Okay. Uh, but, like, Zysteria is, like, straight-up Euro-medieval fantasy just with an anime veneer. Okay, that's the one I've um, Like, down to the religious organization being effectively just the Christian church. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. So the bad guys. <laughs> but weirdly enough, the good ah! guys. I was surprised how they turned out to be the good oh, guys go. in the game. Like, they don't play that big a role. They're just like, we're around, we're there, we're a force, mostly for good. Um... I don't remember that game very well. All right. Uh, with that, we are going to call this podcast to a close. If you would like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on our website at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com, where we post each episode along with a link dump that fact checks some of what we say. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or all three if you're nasty. Just search for Avocado Gamescast. We are there. We're also on a whole bunch of podcatcher services because they index the feeds from Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So I guess we're on those things. You can search for us. No guarantees, though. Also, make sure you check out The Avocado, which is the community that spawned this podcast at the-avocado.org, where you can find uh, Andy's Tuesday New Games Roundup or Little Max 30-Minute Retro Reviews or... Kappa talking about football, yeah. which is not a video game, there, but bring, could be. Bring your knowledge, though. Kick you out. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got to know how the downs yeah. work and how the the field yeah. goals work. Um, I've sort of know yeah. football. I've watched some CFL before. The Grey Cup. Um, the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup is fantastic yeah. because it's just a complete. It's a complete disaster sometimes. Um, not like they're not like it's bad football, but the only Grey Cup that I remember, and I forget what year it was, I think it was 2010, I want to say, uh, it was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Rough Riders against the yeah, Montreal the Alouettes. Um, no, this is hilarious. So the, uh, I believe it was the score was from like 26-24 for the Rough Riders. The Alouettes had like a, just a few seconds left on the clock. Uh, and they had to make a field goal so they could get three points and get one point ahead to win. And they're like a few seconds left on the clock. They missed the field goal. Saskatchewan starts celebrating. 
uh, but the refs don't call the match. Uh, and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? And then they show on the replay, Saskatchewan had two oh, and a half. Oh, heartbreaker. Oh, no. so then, heartbreaker. So then Montreal gets to move up 10 yards, <laughs> take the field goal again with literally zero seconds left on the oh. clock. They make the field goal. They win by one point. Oh. Saskatchewan is devastated. Montreal goes wild. They got some good names there and, too. Alouettes. I don't know what Alouette is besides the song, but man, it's a good name. <laughs> Alouette. Uh, Alouette is uh, the French word for lark. Oh, of course, that's a good football name, right? We're always like the let's go Chicago Sparrows. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other Argonauts? Be, I think uh, Toronto oh, Argonauts, uh, Ottawa Red Blacks, um, or in French Le Rouge et Noir d'Ottawa. Uh, you got Hamilton Tiger Cats, BC Lions, uh, Edmonton Elks, Calgary Stampeders. Look at that. I think that's the entire league. Named them all. Yeah. All great. <laughs> all great teams. Um, all right. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next Bye. time. Bye, guys.